One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi guys, this is Apoko Doctor, and I just see tea with Amy San on tea with Hey guys, welcome to a brand new episode of Tea with Tay Pod, the only podcast that brings the tea acidity hot and speaking about tea this episode is proudly sponsored by my face lipton today my guest is an award-winning medical doctor and health influencer who's actively in the business of health education using social media his name is chinonso egemba popularly known as apoko doctor please a round of applause for my guest today <laughs> i don't know if your name is chinonso yes no and if you said you'd be <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, my brother? It's been good. Thank you. Good Thank to you. see you, doctor. Thank you for having me mm-hmm. here. Thank you. I feel like now that I were friendlier, I don't have to pay for HMO and stuff. You know, you know, I have private private consultation. That's what friends are for. And blessing now, I go send us go village quickly. What do you because... mean? You've made money. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need money from me. I go say they put my phone on DND. <sighs> okay, Kwelerema. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Okay, okay my brother. Welcome to Tea with Tay Pod. I mean, this has been a long time coming. I didn't realize how booked and busy you were, but it's good to finally have you on. I feel like you're even busier than some of the musicians that I've brought on this on this couch. Like, you, have, you guys have to know that Apoko Doctor is busy, like busy, busier than probably David. Okay, that's that's a stretch. But I feel like I feel like you're setting me up for something, but no one. Yeah, you, uh, we're gonna get there. <laughs> How are you, my brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. These this chairs are comfortable. Quite. It's so good you to know. talk and Abby. share your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But speaking of secrets, right? Um, we are the people's doctor. We know you as um Apoko doctor, but we don't know who Chinonso is. I don't even think I know who Chinonso is. Please. If you would describe Chinonso, how would you describe him? Okay. I would say Chinonso is a very reserved person. Quite. Chinonso is quiet. Chinonso is thoughtful. Chinonso is sacrificial. Chinonso is... Chinonso does not like fights, to be honest. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> um, I'm very non-conflict person. 
I would, I would, I would rather let you have all the cake and just have my peace of mind if, if that's going to be a problem. As a matter of fact, uh, two plus two is five. If it would give me peace of mind that night, yes, yes. I agree. Um, I'm the first of three kids, three siblings, not three siblings, I'd be two siblings in the column. We are shot three in number. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the firstborn, so that comes with a lot of responsibility. Mm. Uh, now, let's still they take Bombi from out. Mm. Was born with silver spoon. I, I, no, I, 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 I didn't even think anybody was born with silver spoon. Yeah. If if we are being honest, it's stainless steel rubber spoon. spoon. It's st- stainless steel spoon or rubber spoon. Mm. So all those silver spoons probably now coated this thing. No, but silver spoon means that you were born rich now. And what is the actual silver? Okay, maybe it's gold plated. What do you think? Stainless steel. Okay, right. Let's 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 share. <laughs> and um, I've been through the fire, but I've never been burnt. So I think that 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 that's that's who I am at this point. Mm. At this point. Tell me about growing up. I I, I so. I need you to give me context, right? Because the person that you are now, like, you're very grounded. You're very, you look like you have a good head on your shoulders. I, w- I really want to know what your childhood was like. What formed this person? Um, so, also being the first of three kids, like. Yeah. So, growing up, my earliest memories were actually soft life, right? Right. I grew up understanding what soft life really is. You know, first born, when your father was making money, now you go chop on that. Yes. Sir. So, I was the kind of child who would go to church every Sunday with a different car because that was what, you know. And then something happened. And all of a sudden, we're reduced from middle income to very low income from my father's side. But then, you know, we had the backup supermarket somewhere on the side. And I remember vividly one morning waking up and there was noise in my compound and all of us ran out. And we got to my mother's supermarket and found out that it was robbed to the ground. When I say robbed to the ground, it was robbed to the ground. How old were you? I can't remember, but I know I was really young. Was this in Lagos? This is in Lagos. Still really Aguda. Mm. So, robbed to the ground. And I feel that that particular morning changed our lives forever. Because I was going to school and, okay, my mom was in tears. My dad was just, you know, like, of course he had to be the man. And was quiet and all that. Two weeks after that, um, we needed to sort out a few things. And there was a woman. If you grew up around that 1990-something, you realize that there was a particular period where the Togolese were very popular in Lagos with restaurants. I was raising worry. Okay. Mm. So there was her friend owned to own the restaurant two shops away from ours. Right. And so what she decided to do was not let not let her people sell drinks anymore. And so my mom was the one supplying drinks to them. Oh, wow. So anybody who wanted water, they would call us. Mama Chino, so please bring water. And I would from carry the supermarket, water. From yeah, the... from, from the supermarket now. Since we, we could not replenish the store. So we just oh, so you guys never on. replenished? So we, it just never, it never replenished. So we had now switched to selling water and selling mm-hmm. soft drinks, right? Mm-hmm. And anytime you needed water, it was from our shop. Mm-hmm. So we would carry water, go give the... So basically a waiter that served water. Oh, so you had to be the waiter to, yes. to serve water. What did, what did that do to you? Because you came from some money and now this is yeah, reality. Yeah, you know, uh, it, was, it was just it. So 
I didn't really think much about it. For us, it was surviving to the next day. But mm-hmm. then, you know, a family of five, plus the parents, mm-hmm. water and soft drinks cannot supply all your yeah. needs. Yeah. And so, my mom had to make the hard decision of selling Akara on the, on the junction. No, we started from the shop, right? We started from the shop. It was Akara and bread with pap and all that. And... Here I was, you know, turning pop, turning Akara, turning that, you know, and just helping out. I grew up with that up until I was about to get into university. So a lot of my childhood up until formative years was selling Akara and pop. So I, I really want to ask, right, you know, so you watched your dad, uh, you knew when he had money. Yeah, and I knew when he didn't have money. I knew when he didn't have money. What you know? Sometimes such situations can take a toll on the parents, the relationship with the family. Did you see, did anything change? Like, I mean, obviously things would change, but you know, internally, when you when you go back home, how what was the pulse of the family when all of that was happening? And also for you as a young person, you know, you were driven to school, and now you have to be turning, yeah, pap and trekking to school actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um. I'd say he took it well. And, you know, as kids, we learn a lot by observing, mm-hmm. not necessarily by the instructions you're given by your parents. Mm-hmm. And I saw how he handled it. I saw that it didn't really make him a different person, mm-hmm. quote and unquote. He was still solid in his faith. And, you know, unlike so many people who say they're going through a bad time and they're like, oh, it's over between I'm going to be, become someone else. I never saw that. Actually, one very important thing happened. At the point where the family was going through that difficult time, I was going through puberty. You know, say boy is going through puberty. A, a bag of rice, no, they reach two weeks. The chop. The chop. Right. And we used to eat as a family. It was one tradition I loved. And so I had finished eating, but you could see on my face that I wanted more food. And my father had to cut his eba, like half of it, and dropped it on my plate. I have actually never told him thank you for that, but it changed my perspective about who a man is actually supposed to be. About when it, when, when, when it, when it has to be taking responsibility for other people. You know, some, some people will just, oh, you finished eating, wash your hands and get off the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he could see. I didn't ask for more food. He could see I was still hungry mm-hmm. and cut out his food and then gave it to me. Um, I think that formed the whole, you know, principle of who I am right now. If I'm available, the people around me are going to eat better food, mm. basically. So, um, this was this was this was a this was a very strong part of me growing up. Mm-hmm. I understood sacrifice. I, I understood, you know, when when my mother especially, she she had to forego some things, especially in that formative years, because then part of part of okay, growing up, so in the morning she would sell Akara and Pap. In the evening, people were coming back from work would pass our store. So I would be selling pap at night. So from four PM to around eight PM. I'll be sitting by the junction with the bucket of pap, the atukba, and my small stool. 
Your sisters, and what were they? We're too young to be at the junction at that right. point, right? So I was the one, you know, being exposed to the whole. Mm-hmm. And um, the only companion I had were my books. So I consumed a lot of books. I consumed a lot of novels because that was four hours of, you know, me escaping to another world. Yeah, and yeah. The only time I got interrupted was, hey, I want to buy pop. How much? You know, 20 naira, you know, wrap it two, three, and then give it to you, and then you go. And I think that's where I got a lot of knowledge from books, because mm-hmm. it would make me travel to yes. other places mm-hmm. while living the current reality mm-hmm. of where I was. And um, I also think I was lucky, because that particular part of Surulay where I was growing up were filled, was filled with a lot of agbeos. Uh, you know the Surulere Tush and the Surulere Trenches. Agudai is the trenches. So mm-hmm. I grew up knowing the Agberos. Yeah. Where, like, next door neighbors, sometimes I'll go deliver pop to them. Mm-hmm. And there was a particular day where my mom had prepared pop and I was supposed to deliver it to one of the Agberos, right? It was like the, the kingpin in that area at that point. And I got, I got to his place and it was just all. When I when I entered the room, it was hazy. There was smoke, smoke everywhere. And I remember walking back to my mother and telling her, Mommy, I don't think I want to go back there. I'm actually glad she listened. Because we had a conversation about this last month. And I said, thank you for actually agreeing to never send me back there. Because some other people would say, this is how we eat. Yeah, go back yes, there. Yes. But... For some reason, she just said, you know what? I will tell them to come here and pick it. And if they don't want it, I'll probably tell them that you're not around. Because I was her, before this delivery company started, I mean, they do delivery from one... (laughs) Like (laughs) Novo. Oh, this is such a wholesome story. Because, you know, know, when people see the now, they're not going to say, these are the things that you went through too. And every, every single thing that you went through probably formed the man that you are now. Because you know, be more resourceful to yourself, you know. Um, did you always want to be a doctor? You know, there's some kids that would say, you know, it's a doctor I want to be from childhood. So the parents only groom them to be a doctor. <laughs> Even the, that's why you choose the class you're supposed to be in. Was it always in the plan for you to be a doctor? Or at some point you just realized that, you know, I was... To save this family, let me just be a doctor. Honestly, no. So, at that point, I would think of myself mostly as a creative because I was exposed to stories, mm. you know, um, magazines and all that. And I told my mom when we had a conversation, okay, so where do you want, what do you want to become? And I said, musician. Stop. I lie. I'm serious. I told my mom actually to be an artist. Were you singing at the time? Are you yes, really? oh. I was. I'm actually a good singer. Oh, we don't know that part, sorry. Uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really? Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I feel... Please give us, give us one, one or two lines. No. Stop. No. We, will not, we will not continue the it's show until come, you drop it for. It's It will come un- unexpected. Okay, so... You know, I could just, I could just drop it and just, okay, you know, okay, just, okay. Just, just, just come back. So, um... I just said over a dead body. Jesus. Was I think nev- my granny said that for me. It was never going to happen. And... You know, if you study book for school, mm. you're in science class. Mm. My dad had this book where there is no doctor, I and the reason book. yes, and uh, and that book is one of the reasons I'm the kind of person I am today, because 
even when there was no doctor in the house, there were things in that yeah. book. First aid, puberty. Yes. I remember the pages. There's, there's, there's. I read there's, it. You, yeah, you yeah. understand what I'm yeah. talking about. I had so, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I read that book cover to cover. And my dad also had a lot of medical bills because he wanted to become a doctor. Right. But, you know, he didn't finish school and stuff like that. So he just left it. Mm-hmm. Still had plans of, you know, owning a going hospital back. somewhere or going back, but it just never happened. The only other option was medical school, right? And I hated maths. So I knew it was never engineering. Right. Or computer science or any of those things. It was just biology. Mm-hmm. I loved biology. I loved physics. Aside from the creatives. Mm-hmm. But then I went into medical school, got into university once, and that was it. But I love that I did not lose the creative side of me. Because even while I was in medical school, I struggled a lot with not education, but having to fuse. Because, you know, see, you, you get as you go take the entire medical school, you just realize that your creativity is... is dwindling. It's going. And it's almost too mechanical, the things that you learn. Exactly. Yeah. And that's because you're involved in the life of people, Right. You can't you can't be doing creativity when somebody's on the on the, so, the surgery table. Cannot be saying, uh, let's try the new way of the, there are guidelines, there are strict guidelines for you to right, follow. Right, right. So it was it was affecting that think outside the box for you. For me. And um I needed some way to fuse it, the creativity and medicine. And it just wasn't coming. So even when I was in school, I needed other ways to make money to support the ones that my parents were sending. And somebody walked up to me and were like, oh, my organization, somebody was supposed to design our magazine. And they said the magazine was not supposed And I just blotted it out. I was like, oh, me? I design magazines but now. You did I had not touched Corel Draw. <laughs> you fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I had not touched Corel Draw before. The guy said, really? I was like, yes. The guy just gave it to me. Like a school magazine? like school NCCMDS. Mom, guy just gave me the contract for the magazine. Um, I went. I didn't have a computer. I went to my friend Harold. Then he's late now. Went to Harold, collected his computer, collabed it in from his hand, sat down. YouTube. I watched all the videos of designing, but I think it was one of the best designs I've ever made. I <laughs> loved that design. Did they, did they like it? They did. They loved it. They loved it. It was good. I was like, hmm. Sometimes, yes. sometimes you have to lie you, you to get, get ahead. You. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like ah, no, so this thing is your blood, though. Mm. Why not find a way to... And I started designing and, you know, creating stuff. And I also knew I was going to. Not I was going to, but I always nursed the idea of being in front of TV. Right. And so I had this idea called the TV box idea. And for hours, I would stand in front of my mirror just memorizing lines. Hi, my name is this, that, blah, blah, blah. I just, they talk, they speak for never come for this thing. Mm. And one day I just got the balls. I was like, you know what? Let me go audition for radio. Uh-huh. Oh, I carried my two left leg. Went to one radio station in Newry at that point. But they said, okay. Sorry, let me take you, let's come back. That's <laughs> for context that the, the people listening understand that. You schooled like in Imo State, right? I schooled in Anambra State. Anambra State. Yes. So okay. the medical school was in Newry. Right. The, the, Main campus was in Oka. Okay. So you do your first year in Oka. Mm-hmm. I did my first year twice because I had a surgery when I was 17 years. What surgery was that? Let's just say I did appendicitis. 
and I was just supposed to go home. But, you know, two weeks after I had not gone home, three weeks after I had not gone home, my stomach was swelling, I had not eaten, and they said I had intestinal obstruction. Apparently, some part of my intestines had died. And so I needed another surgery. This time they had to bring all my intestines out on the table. <sighs> And then cut out the parts that was dead. You know, so you don't Join go through life, my <laughs> dear. <laughs> you know, in the in the in the good book, Paul said, "I bear my body the marks of Christ. Sheesh. I carry scar for mm. this body. There are plenty." So, <laughs> so they had to bring all my intestines out mm-hmm. on the table, cut it, put it together, and then put it back in me. And um, it was very close to my first year exams, right? And we're like, you know, go home, come back next year. It's like, no, I'll go right down. Strong head. I said, no, I will right see. They said, okay. They begged. I refused. I went back to school. One week to exam. I started reading all the things my mates have been reading for mm-hmm. months. I said I was going to finish it that weekend. I read what I read, right? <laughs> Time for exam. Monday, I wrote the first test. Went back. Second day. Inside the exam hall. That was how I threw up. For me, the intestines, they just fix. For intestines, they just fix. So I was shivering. Apparently, the, the stress was actually too much because I needed to rest. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't working. They said, okay, go back home. And that must have hurt you because you had planned to just it did. follow your mates to the next. It did. Yeah. It did. And the, our caretaker at that point said, you know what, just go home. When you come back, I'll make sure that you follow your mates. She knew that that was the only thing that was going to make me agree. And he called my father. He came back to school, picked me up, and then we came back to Lagos. Only for me to go back to school the next month. And I was asking her, okay, so my mates are in in Nairobi right now. How do I join them? And she was like, I'm sorry, you can't join them. You have to do the year again. I remember that day. I sat down. You know, schools have this square where where they have one statue and all that. I sat down there. And I wept like a baby. I did not care who was watching me cry. Like, have you seen me? <laughs> Talk less of crying. I cried my eyes out. Finished that. I said, okay. Ah, no more classes for me. At the house. First week, second week, third week, fourth week, fifth week. I was at home on separate classes. Grudgingly, because I mean, obviously. Well, classes for what? Go and do the same thing again. After a while, some of some some of my friends just, you know, walked up to me and were like, guy, how far? Just join us, you know. I took up, you know, just begrudgingly, you know, mm-hmm. took up. And luckily we we're able to build a community around it. That's how I joined the second year again and finished it. Crazy story. Mm-hmm. Crazy story. So take me back to you, you doing radio. Mm-hmm. You auditioned for radio. So that was in my phone grade level. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I went to the first radio station. They said, um, do your thing. Put me in the booth. And I sat down. We said, uh, I said a couple of things. You know, it's just basically monologue. Right. I can't remember what I did there, but they said, we'll get back to you. I said, okay. After like a couple of weeks, nobody got back to me. I said, there's another radio station somewhere. I went there. In in, in Newi? In Newi, yes. Yeah. Were, they pop, were they popular radio stations? Were they? Yes. Yes. I don't want to mention their names because, you know, they cannot go many and people start to drag them and say, oh, you had this person in your... Yeah, you let him uh, go. You, <laughs> right. So, went to another radio station there and, you know, 
decided to say, you know, do your thing. And I went, I, I did my thing and came out. I said, we'll get back to you. It just never happened, right? And I kept nursing that idea, but it didn't happen at that point. So I let it go because there were a few medical students also that gave me a sort of inspiration that were also on radio. Right. And you know, this is this is from Newey. There's, 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 there, there, there are very few opportunities for you to actually be out there. It's go to medical school, finish medical school, get out. I mean, who are you trying to be creative? Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just be know, a doctor. I guess. You'll soon, you'll soon be a doctor. What, 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 what business do you have with radio? Mm-hmm. So, I did it, came out. And nobody was paying attention. And so I was like, okay, let's just shelf it somewhere. Sometime it will happen. Uh, I think from that particular point till about four or five years later, I just took the the courage to actually now open my phone and start making videos. No, let's come back to mm-hmm. let's come back to uni. Did you? So it's one thing to many of us went to school to study courses that we we probably would not have if we knew better. Did you at some point start liking medical school or you just go through it because you had to? Uh, at some point, I loved medical school. I think I still do. The, one of the reasons I love medical school is there are certain things that give people satisfaction in life. And for me, one of them is being able to... I can see the changes that my life is making in another person's life. Mm-hmm. Some people come to you sick. You interact with them, you treat them, and you're looking a lot better. You're feeling a lot better. To me, that was satisfaction. And so, having the privilege to do that, for me, was satisfaction enough. Mm. And so, I loved medical school. If I had really told the part of clinical medicine, I probably would have been been doing surgery, right? Because then, surgery, somebody comes in, remove it. (laughs) They call me, this thing is not working well. Put it together. You send them back on their way. Um, and also because I was also fascinated with how the human body worked. And so medical school answered a lot of those questions for me. Mm. And it was it was a wonderful experience. It was later on that I started to struggle with, you know, okay, so we have to do it this way. And at some point, your thought process is just, no. you know, it's within certain guidelines, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes if you even want to try out something, you have to find out what the damages of those things could cost to other people. So I knew that clinical medicine, you know, if I were to continue that way, was going to be restrictive in just, you know, how much I can practice it. And the only other outlet happened because I had met someone, I think it was in my 400 level, we had just gotten exposed to patients. And there's this thing they ask medical students to do, it's called clerking. So you're like ask, getting history from the patients and all that. It's like apprentice work, come and learn how to find out what's wrong with patients. And there was this man that had a transient stroke, came with his son. I took him to the doctor after clerking him, and that was it. Got managed, discharged, went home. A couple of years later, I was preparing for my final exam. And we're allowed to practice on patients, ask questions from them and all that, examine your final exam is a couple of days away, so might as well practice. And I noticed that here was the same man. Again. And this time, he didn't make it. And so it got me thinking. What do you mean he, he didn't make it? He didn't make it. He died? Yeah. And so it got me thinking. 
was it like people don't understand what healthcare really is? I, I, I mean, the doctor spent time with you. So you should understand the gravity of... And when I did a you know small research here and there, I found that, okay, a lot of people actually don't know. So people go to the doctor and say, doctor said I have hypertension. What is hypertension? High blood pressure. What is high blood pressure? They don't know. Sometimes they can't even explain their condition to mm-hmm. other people. And if you can't explain it to other people, other people don't know. They just walk around with this myth mm-hmm. in their head. And there is only so much you, uh, you can actually spend educating one patient, especially if you work in a public hospital. Right. I mean, when I was working in a public hospital, I used to see 60, 70 patients a day. How, how long do you want to spend, spend teaching one? Mm-hmm. If you spend so much time teaching one, you're shutting the time for other people. And at the end of the day, you, you're, you're either giving lower quality care to the people that come after that person. And then, of course, the more the day goes on, the tired, you know, the more tired you, be, you, you become. And there was only one tool I had at that point, and that was media, social media. And so I said, okay, let me start creating graphics. I started creating graphics, you know, the importance of water, why you should check your blood pressure. I was basically coming off like the World Health Organization on Facebook and stuff like that. Nobody was paying attention. The only people that, you know, Facebook is first your family and your friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, Facebook, people are not serious about your health. I went to Instagram. I joined the Instagrammers. I was posting graphics too on Instagram. Nobody was paying attention. Meanwhile, somebody will post a picture of where they are in uh, Bali and I've uh, seen thousands of likes. I said, boy, I'm poor health stuff. You people this should like important. it too now. It's more important than mm-hmm. where you park. Mm-hmm. Nobody was paying attention. I said, okay. It's like, I will leave this, this place for you people. And then I went to Twitter. I did this thing on Twitter. Nobody was paying attention. Then something happened at the hospital when, when I was working. And I said, okay, let me tweak the story a bit. And just say it, of course, protected my patient's identity and all that. And I just said the story on Twitter. And it went viral. And then I clocked it. People love stories. Storytelling. So so important. People love stories. Mm-hmm. It's not the information that was the problem. It was the I, mode in which I was yes. passing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was how I started telling stories. I started telling stories, pick up my camera, and then started making some videos. And that was where I made a mistake. Because... When I now picked up the camera, the spray spray now came out again. So I was making camera, I was I was making videos like I was making it for an international audience. Mm. Hi guys. So <laughs> today we're going to be discussing hepatitis. Hepatitis is an infection or an inflammation of the liver. And my idea, This used to be you. Of course. Of course. And as a learned doctor, you know, mm. a noble profession. Yeah. How, how, you, you know, the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, I, there's a time I tried to stop speaking pidgin English. <laughs> Everybody run. I came back home. So, and, uh, you know, that was also when I learned one of the most important parts of communication that in order to communicate with people, you're one of the things you have to be is relatable. Right. And I don't tell the funny. Dumped out the correct pronunciation. Sometimes in my videos, I make wrong grammar. On purpose. On purpose. Simply because I can't. And because it's the people I'm reaching out to. They don't mm-hmm. care about the English. Mm-hmm. It's the information mm-hmm. they're after. Mm-hmm. You know, I became more relatable. And over time, you know, honed it, honed it. 
And so right now, if you ask me, what do you do? I'll basically tell you I'm a doctor who tells stories in order to help people make better health decisions. That sums up my life's work in this, yeah, since 2015 till now. Basically. So you started off in 2015? Yes, started off till now. What, what, so what plan did you have for the brand? Because obviously in your head, you're not thinking about a brand. You're just thinking of ways to educate people. Yes. And you see, you see held your nine-to-five job, yes. right? So what changed? How, how did... Tell me your first viral video. What? Mm-hmm. When did you realize that? I think I'm onto something. Okay. Uh, videos actually came in later. Before now it was more text based, yeah. story based. Because you used to trend a lot. I used to see lots of on Twitter. I was trending yeah. a lot on Twitter. Yeah. People were, and I was holding three jobs at a point. So I was working in one hospital in Solo. God, you punished the owner of that hospital. <laughs> working in one hospital in Solo. I was working in another one in Festac, and I was working on another one in VI. So, how? Yes. So, let me now explain how. Eight to four, Ian Solo. Five to eight in the morning, Festac. Weekends, VI. Sorry. Eight to four during the day. Yes. Like 8 a.m. to 4 8 p.m. 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., Ian mm-hmm. Solo. 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. the next morning, first stack. Weekends. So I was basically leaving off my backpack. So but were you sleeping at all in between? It, it, you were sleeping in night shifts now. And just hope that, you know, but, but sometimes, some nights are crazy. And you don't sleep the whole night. And then you have to be early enough to get to the Were you earning a lot from that? Morning. Let's just say that if we are, Adjusting for inflation and everything, my total salary together was not enough to. Hmm. My total salary together was not enough to get a Bose, Bose Ultra Ultra Comfort earphones. I'm not joking. Stop! You're a medical doctor. Yes. Working. Yes. Three jobs in three this jobs. country. Three jobs. Yes. You are a professional. Yes. It's in your pocket. Why do you think doctors are living in Nigeria? I swear. I mean, go 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 back to the hospital you went two years ago. A lot no, of doctors are there. missing. No, nobody's there. <laughs> nobody's there. I, you know how the doctor I went to see a doc a doctor, right? And he was so I think that time dollar just increased like maybe seven hundred or something. And he was saying that you know two, three years ago he could Use his salary to go to Dubai for a holiday mm. economy and just do the basic things. He said, if you, even if he works for three months or six months, he can't take a holiday. Yeah. I mean, if I had saved everything I was working for at that point, I couldn't buy a Toyota Corolla. And I'm not trying to make this up. I mean, right now, there are hospitals in Nigeria, public hospitals, government-owned federal institutions, who are now begging for doctors to come and write primaries. Primaries is from a doctor, you know, become a registrar, registrar. Mm-hmm. They're actually asking. So I'm even saying, come on, come, write, or come and start the residency. You can write your primaries later. This was places where, you know, mm. you must pass before you start. But, but We have it, a scarcity of doctors. Yeah, and that must be a big problem for us and the healthcare system generally. Like, it is. People are going to die that shouldn't die. Pe- pe- um, people are going to... Yes. People are receiving low-quality care because exactly. the doctors that are remaining are now being overstretched. Yes. So, huh. Also, so expensive. Like, like mm. so, so, you know, the thing is, 
like even to just get the basic or a decent level of healthcare here, you have to pay through your nose. Yeah. And and I'm just like, how many people can even afford? So if you, the thing here is that in Nigeria, if you don't if you don't have money, you are good. To, you might probably just end up dying. Even if you and have even the if money. you have money, you might still die. You have the money. I mean, there's the Abuja Declaration of 2001, where African countries came together and said, you know, we're going to dedicate 15 percent of our national budget to healthcare. But, Nigeria has never crossed 10 percent. Wow. To healthcare. It's almost like oh, it's an afterthought. Yeah. <laughs> Let we would the, rather the buy millions win. of SUVs rather than donate that money to healthcare. I feel like the government just says, you know what? Let the best, let the best immune system win. <laughs> <laughs> everybody out for, there for the everybody. Because, because half, <laughs> everybody has healthcare abroad. I mean, people, the 1% of 1% in this country go abroad for healthcare. Mm-hmm. So, um, what happens to Mutu that works in probably a bank as a security man and has three kids? Oh, my dear, hustle for a healthcare Basically, because there's a primary healthcare center, there's a general hospitals, a tertiary hospitals. Usually, many of the cases that go to the general hospitals and the and the you know federal institutions can actually be sold by the primary healthcare centers. But then, are the primary healthcare centers funded enough? Don't. There's some basic things that are not even supposed to reach emergency. And yeah. then there is also the healthcare behavior of Nigerians. Most times, we will wait until. And that is because, see, see that it's also one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what I do, mm-hmm. because there are very few people. A lot of my communication is based on prevention. That's why people wake up and they're like, "Aproko, what can we do to stay alive? Everything we do is wrong." And that's because if you build a habit of the wrong things, it adds up. So. I would rather dedicate my life to make sure you don't get there. So at least change your lifestyle a bit mm. so that it reduces the chances of people okay. falling ill. But when you fall ill, we should have a robust healthcare system that is, you know, equipped enough to, to take care of you. And there's mm. also something called universal healthcare. It's actually the right of every human being. You should get healthcare without going poor. I mean, almost every Nigerian, I don't want to say... Let it not be I'm lumping everybody in, but almost every Nigerian, aside from the 0.1% of the 0.1%, are one sickness away from poverty. Yeah. And is maybe it's not even you falling sick. Probably it's a family member. Yes. And this has happened countless times. Because a lot of the healthcare that we even do is paid out of pocket. Yeah. When many times it should be the government responsibility. Of course, it's the national uh, you know, health insurance authority. But then again, where is the trust? For that, we have a trust issue in this in this country, because okay, yes, you say there's national health insurance, but then when I fall ill, I have to pay for this myself. I have to pay for so what is now the insurance you, doing? You, you know, you go to the hospital with HMO, <laughs> HMO. I don't pay. I still say everything tickle. <laughs> when you don't reach it, like you say this, we don't cover this, we don't cover that. <laughs> and I say, what's the HMO for? HMO for is it for Paolo Panado and, and, and eye drop? What is it for? <laughs> you know. Uh, there's, there's a trust issue. There's also a communication issue. Right. You know. And um, for me, prevention is the best is the mm. best way. And mm. that's why a lot of what I do is not actually focused on. It's just focused on preventive healthcare, preventive mm. healthcare, preventive healthcare. At least let's reduce the amount of people that come to the hospital for to, to seek help. Because before now, when people would search for... Imagine you start going on Google now and you're searching for why is this lump on my penis? 
there's, 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 there's a lump there already. But if you know, or um, why am I feeling dizzy? You know, people search for different things. The mm -hmm. fact that you're already searching for healthcare information is not because you are necessarily just interested in healthcare mm -hmm. things. You want to find off. Something off has already started happening. Mm -hmm. And so we're, 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 we're trying to bring that healthcare information to the faces of people, first of all. So it's like we're interrupting your sleep. We're interrupting your, your, your daily lifestyle, using other means of communication just to bring it in front of you. You may not like me, mm -hmm. but you will hear it. And when you hear it, somehow it stays. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It stays. And yeah, some people may say, oh, um, I keep hearing it. And, but I know that there are different stages to behavioral modification. Of course, there's the point where somebody's not even aware. And then they become aware. And then after becoming aware, just... they start to contemplate. Mm -hmm. Is it really right or wrong? After that, they start to make adjusts. Mm -hmm. After adjusting, they make it a lifestyle. And after then, they stop. So it's just taking people through those stages. Of course, mm -hmm. it's a long journey, and there also has to be other people involved. Mm -hmm. The government has to come in at some point, you know. Um, private people have to come in. When they go to the hospitals, they have to do that better level of education. And the more it continues, the more people can switch their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. One of the things that give me joy is when I go to the gym and I see people. Ah, yes. Yes. Because it helps. <laughs> yes. Because mm -hmm. it helps. Hypertension is one of the biggest killers. And then I see people who are actually trying to exercise, you know, cut down and make sure that your lifestyles are just healthy. Mm. I, I think that you're really doing the Lord's work because, you know, there's so many things that I've learned from your videos. I don't like watching your videos because it just feels like I should stop everything I'm doing in my life. But... It feels that way, but I understand. When I say I don't like watching, I did watch Hamu, but sometimes I'm just like, can you just rest, doctor? Because, <laughs> like, everything will kill us. It's like you telling me that me doing my manicure like this, UV rays, something will happen to me. I'm like, okay, so how I go do the thing? I would say I go paint on top. <laughs> but it's, there's so much information, there's so much to unpack, right? And I feel like you've also grown a community of people that now trust yeah. you and, you know, are choosing healthier options because of you. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, it's... At first, I did not even know the impact of what I was doing. Right. It was just me doing what I loved in a manner I loved. Until, you know, when 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 you start walking on the street and you're getting street cred, mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, my wife does not let me rest because of your videos. Mm -hmm. She wakes me up in the morning. She has sent your video to me. Oh, because, oh, the one that even was, was, was when people actually flooded the markets looking for um, trying to change their nonstick pots. What did so, you say about nonstick pots? So, if your pots are chipped, if your nonstick mm -hmm. pot are chipped, you know, the, the material used to make the non-stick can actually be leaching into your food. So it's not that non-stick pots are bad. It's just that when they are chipped, they pose more harm than good. Because so which pots do you use? Non-stick. Uh, non-stick, we use clay pots, we use enamel pots, but that's that's my wife's. She, she yeah. just that, you know, I've been exposed to so much pot, I know I can I, I can identify pots by looking at it. Wow. I can tell you, sometimes I can even carry it. Ah, no, this one is... Is this one cast iron pot? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to boil rice a few days ago, and you know nobody was at home, and I carried the pot. Like, why is this pot heavy like dumbbell? Why is it just cut pots? I remember the days when pots were pots. So wait, wait, wait are you saying that my pots with the house that we don't cheap? I go to Ram. Yes, please. You have ah, to. Pot cost too. I know. Yeah. Anyway, I have, <laughs> I have the blood of Jesus. <laughs> 
Please help send me to Bovati, my chin. I'm going to change for everything. Every three weeks. Also, but we don't do the script for that. We won't watch me go script out. Exactly. So all of those things... You're actually not even supposed to do that. Ion Sponge has no has no relationship with non-stick pots. Because the more you right, do that, right. you that's shake your, you know, mm. your, you're scratching the pot. Mm. The, um, there's a particular material that is used to actually coat it. Mm-hmm. And some of those materials have actually been implicated in certain diseases. So don't scrape it. Just make sure they are clean. Sometimes just soak it. Soak it. So you, you, you know what's interesting is that you get into a lot of hot water for your, for your ideas and the things that you say. I feel like you even have other doctors coming for you. Where you... Like, yeah. which, which is the... First of all, I want, to, I want to ask two questions, right? Tell me the viral moment that you realized that Apoco Doctor has become a brand. And, you know, what, whatever work that you've been doing before, it's not getting seen. And tell me the hottest water you've ever been in. Like, you're like, ha, it's just I want to do this work going forward. <laughs> huh, where do we start from? Uh, I mean, see, I've really been in the hot water. My dear. <laughs> You know, there's, there's hot water and there's okra soup. Uh, hot okra. Yes, hot okra. It feels like it's hotter than hot water. Yes, it usually yeah. is. And funny enough, the platform that I got the most hit was Twitter. Of course. Now known as X. You know. There, there was a particular point that I was getting dragged every two market days. Dragged, 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 dragged. And sometimes it was because... There was there was one particular there was a there was a very famous Nigerian act actress, yes, that dragged me one day. Um, she just made a thread, you know. Nigerian doctors are so condescending in their mode of communication. This that blah da 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 blah da da. Directed at you. And me, you know, quoted my tweets first of all, and was bashing. I said, if there's one thing about me that I know it's the people who are close to me understand that I am not a condescending person. Mm. I, I, I don't think there's anybody, and I dare say, yeah. there's anybody who is close to me that would describe one of the words they would use to describe it's me condescending. is condescending. Right. But because I understand the way Nigerians talk, we talk in playful jests. Right. It's called playful jests. Ah, guy, see your head. Don't you know? Or, you know, we, yes, so you can ask your mom, where should I drop this red cup? You say, drop it on my head. It does not mean that you should drop it on your head. We understand ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So I was using that same mode to communicate. For some people, it came off as condescending. But then I realized that there was a particular group of people that gravitated towards that information. They loved it. And then we started to name them. It was a Mecca first and then Nikichi. Of course, I chose a Mecca Nikichi for obvious reasons, you know. Uh, but it was a Mecca Nikichi. But somehow, I just keep getting it's condescending. But what I've noticed is that the condescending comes from a particular group of people that my message is not meant for. Who? The people who have doctor's numbers on speed dial. Right. Who, they're not basically your audience. They're not basically they can get audience. healthcare in. The target is not for you. Right. Right. You want me to sound like Dr. Mike? Oh, hi, guys. Today we're going to be talking about. Mm. If you want that, there are thousands of other doctors out there who are making content exactly for you. This is for a mechanic, Kichi. Who needs help? This is for exactly. Mm-hmm. They don't have access to. There's nobody in their family who is a doctor. Yeah. They don't have. As, as, as a matter of fact, the moment they are leaving the hospital, they can't call the hospital back. Mm. 
because you know many times they're on the streets they have that's the it's 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 their phones yeah. yeah right so i knew that this message was for them and so it had to be tailored in a way that would mm. capture their attention right first of all but inside that thing as messages of course growing up when when they wanted to give us drugs they would wrap it in a bar and give it to you. It's not the eba that is the that is the curative. It's the drug inside. Mm -hmm. And so we had carved out a way to actually reach the people I'm supposed to reach. And then the day I actually realized that, Omo, this thing is actually not this thing is actually bigger than I think it is, was when I went to Kenya for the first time in my life. Then I was stopped on the streets by a random baby. It's like, I know you, Daktari, I know you. And I was like, really? Here? Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -uh, on my shoulder supposed to be go. What is going on? Bastard doctor. You know, <laughs> I mean, look at this bastard doctor that everybody <laughs> says is condescending. And, you know, here, get, get, uh, mm -hmm. you know, here getting he's getting love yeah. in, you know, in mm -hmm. Kenya. I went to, to, to Ghana, same thing. Went to Senegal, same thing. I said, ah, what's going on? That's how I carry my two left leg and enter USA. I was like, ah, ah. Uh -uh. It was, it was almost like a whole community of people just spread out in different places. And I'm like, guy, we actually love what you're doing. Right. You know, you're actually changing people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm all, this is my work. Mm -hmm. I ain't going to stop it anytime mm -hmm. soon mm -hmm. because it's actually helping people. Right. There, are, there are people who actually have confided in me that like, See, to be honest, we don't understand what the doctors are saying. You're, 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 you're the one that makes Breaking it. You, you bring it down. it down. Yes. You bring it down well, so that yeah. we can understand. You take away the, 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 the jargon. Yes. And the, you know, the, yeah. the, that's why when you watch my videos, you would never hear me mention medical names. Mm. You would never hear me talk about, you know, the quadratus <laughs> lumbosum. Nobody cares about that. Do you know what I find very interesting with your own content is that I'm a content creator myself, and storytelling is one of my strengths, right? But every time I watch a video, I don't think that I'm listening to a doctor speak to me. Mm. I feel like I'm listening to somebody who's telling a story about medical health, yeah. what you should learn, you understand? I know, so even this Ikechi and this thing, the condescending part pulls me in more. Is that thing where you say, come here, sit down here. Yeah, I'm already in. I'm just like, <laughs> this, who's this idiot? So halfway, by... 45 seconds into it, you have forgotten that this is a whole conversation about okay. your health. Because there's a lot of storytelling, there's funny bits to it. And I feel like, if, you know, if you're going to communicate to the people who really need this healthcare, right? Not people who schooled in Harvard or in Kent or somewhere. Yes. People who are in Agege, people who are everywhere, you need to be able to come down to that level. And that's how they communicate anyway. Basically. Basically, I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't go around asking you. Oh, tell me, what's your, what's your, what's, what's your PVC this morning? Uh, I'm going to be PVC. You see what I'm saying? So, pack cell volume. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, pack cell volume. Basically, you know the percentage of your red blood cells. Let me just mm, put okay, it that way. Okay. So, but no, but we just, we just go around talking like normal people. Mm -hmm. I've, I've even had people stop me on the street, and then they're asking. Are you are you a real doctor? Mm. I'm like I'm like yes, mm. I'm a real doctor. Like mm, it's true because there are some of the things that you mentioned that other people don't know, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I was going to ask that like, how much do you have to read to be able to put out so much content? Because you know, I mean, I feel like all the doctors know a specific. I mean, they have knowledge about med, um, medicine 
if like a decent amount of knowledge about medicine. But I feel like there's some other things that you're saying that feels like you have to do a lot of research, a lot of also because you don't want to be wrong, especially when you have such a big exactly. platform, right? And I find that like even other people, other doctors come for you, right? So what is it that you know that they don't know? Or how much research do you have to do to be a proco doctor? There for me, one of the one of the gifts I have is I know how to break things down. Right. And it's not just medical information. Even when I, you know, when I'm talking to a banker, I know how to use banking terminologies to make healthcare clearer to that mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking to a race car driver, I know how to use race car to, you know, I just I just have a way mm-hmm. of making things. Yeah. In, and like I said, growing up selling pop, the only thing I did was read. Mm. So I know how to pull information from other places to make sense to make sense to whoever is listening. Yeah. And I like that about myself because I feel that if you do not know how to explain something in the basest format, you actually mm. don't know it. Yeah. You crammed it. Like most of us did in secondary school. <laughs> <laughs> so um and so if I try to make sure I can understand it at the business level. Mm-hmm. That if a 10-year-old child is asking me what is this, I can explain without confusing the child further. Right. With what they are, with what they know at that particular moment. Right. So these are these are just some of the things. And then, of course, you can't be wrong. Or rather, the chances of you being wrong have to be very little. So what I do, I go for information that is tested, tried, and true. I don't like to play on the fringes. Because there are a lot of people whose healthcare information depend on the things I say. So I cannot be playing with new research that has not been. Okay. I tell my team, leave it alone. Mm. When it has matured, when it's been proven to be true beyond all reasonable doubts, mm. then we can share it. For example, the last video I, one of, one of the last videos I made across a lot of workers, even within the medical community, was salt causing hypertension. And some people say, no, it's no, it's more of a sugar problem than a salt problem. Did I tell you that I'd not see all those research? I saw it. But salt over time has been proven. So I cannot tell you, uh, I cannot come out one day and not say, it's no longer a salt problem, oh, it's a sugar problem. Meanwhile, somebody's genetics is salt that's causing the problem. Probably not say, apricot doctor said that it's not salt that causes mm-hmm. hypertension. Is the person not start packing salt. The next thing, bam, hypertension, stroke. Who's responsible for it? In some way, you. Mm-hmm. So you can do that with your platform. Mm-hmm. I can't. <laughs> because there's a there's a huge responsibility on, you now. on me mm-hmm. and the kind of information that I put out. So if it's not tested and true, I don't put it out. Then um there are, there's also a lot of back and forth with my thing, with mm-hmm. with 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 my team actually. There are sometimes we create content, I'm like, Mm-mm, it's going to rub off wrong. On some people, and that's why I also surround myself with people from different backgrounds. My right. team is very diverse. So, this person from this aspect of society, this other person from this aspect mm. of society, and when we create content, like how does it rub off on you? Mm. Mm. So okay. we test the content mm-hmm. before we put it out. There. Right. It's not just hey, it's how I wake up that morning, <laughs> how I'm and feeling. then this is how I'm feeling. So that's how I'm going to put the content now. No, not necessarily. And um, over time, we've been able to learn. So there are certain kinds of information that somehow I just know this information is not for me to share. Mm. Let's keep it. This information, rather than educating people, is going to create a lot of 
backlash and ruckus. And it's not going to teach people. Yeah. Because the main thing I do is teach. Right. If you live without understanding what was actually said and without a key takeaway, I'm, I'm not saying understand the whole video. After watching this video for one minute, what is your takeaway from mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. That's what's most important for us. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I, I want to know, like, what has changed since you beca became um, a Proco doctor? So this is you who had um, three jobs, from a solo to VI to, you know. You know, you know some life strategies starts coming in when you're getting popular. There's a community, the money don't they come, you know. Even to be the doctor said, go hard you because then <laughs> <laughs> I almost a star. What has changed since you became this guy? And, you know, I feel like you've also opened a, a space for other doctors to be able to communicate online. Mm. So I don't think you're the only one doing it now. I feel like yeah. other people are beginning to speak up and, you know, yeah. it's creating like a, an ecosystem of speaking doctors. Which is, which is, which is actually a beautiful thing. Because one of the things I realized was there's only so much one person can do, no matter how right. big you are. Right. Right. But then, you know, we come from a place where I must be the only star shining. Right. Without realizing that the more we are, the brighter the place becomes. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm actually happy that there are actually a lot more speaking doctors. One of the things we now have to do is make sure that there has to be some form of regulation about the kind of information that is being put out. Because anybody can grow an audience or a community. You just have to be consistent. So you can grow a community based on nonsense. You if you're also, consistent if enough. If you're consistent enough, I'm serious. I agree. You grow a community based on rubbish. Mm -hmm. You just need to be consistent. Consistency is the only thing you need. Mm. And you're going to be, you're, you're going to blow. You know, can blow on the right side, blow on the wrong side. But you shall blow. Now, so there's that regulation that is needed. There is also trying to reach out to other doctors and let them know the kind of pitfalls you had. You know, so it could be certain terminologies you used. What are the new things that you can avoid? How can you become even more empathetic in your communication, mm -hmm. right? What has changed? I think I'm no longer a private person. And for me, it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I hate it. I mean, Give I, us context. I used to be able to go to Yaba. I'll pick the clo I like mm -hmm. the one I like. Mm -hmm. I will go and pick. It. I swear. <laughs> now, I will see the clothes online. Another person now that is on my behalf, they will not bring it to my house because if they find out that it's me that is ordering it, it the price, price. has increased. They will not bring it to my house. When they not bring it to my house, I'll not see that clothes on my size. It won't do his XS head that they wrote on top. <laughs> now, how would I say return this clothes no longer my size? It's problem. I have to dash it out. So, I feel that that privacy is no longer there. You're basically a celebrity. Let's, let's just see what it is. It's a celebrity doctor. <laughs> Period. I, okay. Okay. I think for the, for the, for the sake of definition, let's mm -hmm. just accept mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I get into my house. Nobody sees me until I'm going out again. Once I'm inside, I'm inside. Except I'm going to the gym. And that's, it's almost like a, you know, there's that. And then you now meet some people who they don't understand the principles of personal space. Right. Or boundaries, you know. Some people meet you and like, oh, come here. Yes, sir. Like, but you don't, you don't understand what you do. 
you are in people's faces every when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> so, so they you literally are part of their lives. True. So some people it happens to me too because some people forget that you tell me something they see on Instagram, which is really Misha, but I'm also not as sometimes I'm not very I'm not very outgoing. I'm shy. I want to be in my own space, but you don't remember what you told. So tell me something. Hey, come. come. Which side you tell you? Hey, which I, money? I take travel. I'm just saying. Like, some people drag you by the hand. Yes, now. Other people are holding your waist and they are, take the picture before it goes away. I'm like, I'm not really. Okay, so something, some, some, something happened, right? Um, I was in a shopping mall with my wife, and it was a really bad day for both of us. She had just had a diagnosis that was life threatening. I was trying to deal with it as a husband. I was trying to deal with it as oh, so this is our life now. And then this guy walks up to me. Was like, hey, Aproko, how far? Don't they see you? This? Me and you must take picture today. And he was like right in my face. And I whispered to him, I said, bros, this is not a good time. I was like, forget our one. Good time, good time, call, good time. Me and you must take picture today. I did not realize when I snapped at him. Like, I changed him for the guy. I was literally screaming in the mall. There was no F word you could come, you could bring up now that I did not use that day. And Baba just looked at me and he knew that something just quietly left. Just quietly left. Of course, I regretted it. Yeah. But the whole world was on my shoulders at yeah. that point. Yeah. And just because I'm yeah. outside, there's nothing mm-hmm. that everything will talk yeah. yeah. You know, I tried over and over, like, bros, this is not a good time. Please, this is not a good time. Mm. If you see me tomorrow, let's take this picture. Mm. And, you know, at that point, you almost become like public public property, right? You you are owned by the public. You cannot, yeah. you know, there's some days when I, I'm not really in the mood. Yeah. I think that I've also mastered the art of you know, just adjusting and shape-shifting. True. There's some reason True. I'm not in the mood. In fact, my face is not even ready for for the camera. <laughs> so I'm like, so I've started learning how to now be like, you know, let's use Snapchat filter. Let's, so I'm, because also like whatever, whatever, that's what he has taken away. Yeah. To the rest of the world, you're a nice guy, but to him, you're full of shit. Yeah. And, yeah. and, our and please, business is perception. If you, are, if you are watching this video, yeah, that person, <laughs> please forgive him. Please forgive him. He was in the mood that yeah, day. I was, I was not in the mood that day. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I totally get it though. I totally get it. I get I get the part of public property. Yeah, you know people people, you you are part of their life. Yeah, there, there's some part of you that belongs to them. Yes. You, you so when I come out, oh now I want to take one thousand pictures. Mm. We do it. Uh, we I, take have to, I, have to learn, I have to learn fast. So, so it is. It is mm. now someone on my team that has now mastered the art of sneaking me away. Yes. When yes. And I think one of the things I'm not comfortable doing. I don't think I'll ever get comfortable doing is having like you know barrier of human beings around you to prevent other people from getting to you. I beg, it's not that deep. <laughs> we are not deep. We do please. <laughs> you know. No, of course, of mm-hmm, course. Mm-hmm. When you know there's the risk of harm, that's when you yeah. need something like that. But yeah, but also like you know, Lagos is different. Like I feel like maybe if we're in Enugu or other parts or maybe in the east, it's a bit more. You no, know, Lagosians are they also have bad attitudes because if you the one place that you say they love you, they go see Lagos. Like I've been in spaces where I can tell that there's a group of them that want to come closer, but they just. Mm. 
So they pass, me go call Gruden and say, I greet you. I Gruden say, I want to be sad. <laughs> I don't want to take pictures. I say, oh, no, shit. <laughs> I said, I need Chris. You know? But, you know, it's just, you know, when I knew that this thing was deep, and I met a girl, I was hosting an event, and I met a girl who said, you know, she said, Timmy, you know, you don't know what you do to us. And that's, that's when I, I started becoming more consistent with the videos. Yeah. You said you're like literally our therapist. You say the things that we want to hear. You know, you're part of our lives. I cannot go a day without checking your page in the morning. Once she resumes at work, she checks my page in the morning first so she can laugh and get through her day. And she shares it with her friends. And she was so emotional. You, me, when we say, I just did my eyes. I, can't. <laughs> I, say, I mean, these are the things that I think about. And I just come. To me, it's just content. For them, it's deeper than that. It is therapy. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, they, they were... They were there was even a, a particular doctor who, you know, um, started creating content like me. Mm-hmm. And I overheard him say something to a couple of people. And then one of the things he said was, you know, we don't we do not do what that book does. We focus on the more important part of medicine. As per my own part. Bad you know, in my, my own part. Which is a wizard. I was going to ask how you deal with... Because I, I feel like... There's no way that other doctors will not come for you. First of all, you have taken the mantle of... Like, you're the face of the doctors in Nigeria now. They are doctors, but it's a popular guy. So they obviously not like you. In the beginning, yes. A lot of people didn't like Mm -hmm. me, you know. A lot of the backlash I had in the beginning, when I was even still on Twitter, Mm -hmm. were from doctors, you know. Did you consider stopping? I almost did. I almost did. Because one of the weaknesses that I was able to kill off fast is... I was able to kill off the need to be pleasing to other people. But stop there. <laughs> Let's talk about that need. Because yeah. I went through, like, I can tell you for free that it's only this year that I started getting there. And I don't even think I'm day 100. Not because... Even me too. Because I think I'm, I'm a natural... I don't know if it's a liberal thing. I'm a people pleaser. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's yeah. only a bad thing when it starts to affect the quality of your life. Yes. So, it's for me, I think trying to please people is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So, people please. You know, we now, we now live in a completely different world where, you know, selfishness Everybody, is yes. now, you know, Yes, self, it's now cool. There, there is a lot of selfishness that is now disguised as self-love. Yes, yes. Because, because, because uh, you know, so because, naturally, my default setting is to make sure that everybody... It's good. It's good. Because whether we like it or not, we are, and of course, people may disagree, but mm-hmm. whether we like it or not, we are social beings. Yes. We need and to tell, the, yeah. by, the, by the, see, the, 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 by the, by default, the, major, by, by default that you're social, yeah. you're making connections. Yes. As long as you're making connections, you are in some way responsible to that other person. Right. The, the gravity of the responsibility may differ. Yeah. But you're responsible to that person. So you cannot act like... You don't care. Nobody around you means mm. anything yes. to you. Yes. Even the gate yeah. man, yes. your interaction with him... Is important. Is important because mm-hmm. you may decide how his life goes on from that particular yeah. point. So don't say, oh, it's just me in the world. You know, No, it's not just you. Actually, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really matter like that. <laughs> You know how big the universe is. Yeah. So it's it's people pleasing. Yes, I've always been that person. Mm. I want to make sure everybody around me is fine. I want to make sure. But at some point, 
the people like us may now overdo it that we set ourselves on fire. My brother, I was so on be- fire. <laughs> God. It goes so bad that if I need to if I need to blink my eye, I didn't happy about this blinking. I was literally suffocating. And I just when I just said God, anyhow you won't be maybe. You understand? Because I I I I I get you. Like yeah. so when I was being dragged by those doctors, mm-hmm. it was it was a really bad time for me. Because I was still at that point where the people pleasing. Now oh, I was drowning in it. And one of the communities you want is that you want to be accepted by your own community. Mm-hmm. 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 So, and the community I really want to be accepted by was the medical community. Like, this is and our guy. This is our guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's actually doing a lot of work on mm-hmm. our behalf. Oh, my brother, every mm-hmm. morning, I they collect lashes for back. They collect for neck. For, for different for different things. Just... And it could just be because someone just disagrees with a part of your point. Mm-hmm. Walk into my DM. And say, ah, I really disagree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I was trying to do good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what helped me. It was not me that helped myself. You know, some people say, eh, yes, you know, your personal, you know, your, 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 your strong personality is not like that. If it was, I would have stopped. Actually was there were actually some doctors that I looked up to, and I still look up to them now. Where, you know, doctors like um, Skin and All, she's, she's one of the people that reached out, and there's Folakemi Dermatologist. They... They actually walked into my DM and said a couple of words. And there's even health entertainer that, you know, walked on my DM and like, I see what you're doing. Keep it up. That tap on the back is so ah! important. You don't know how important that is. I hold the tap. Mm. When they start the lashing with a rhymo cord like this, I will just put the tap for back. See, as yes. Say, oh, she is yeah. not entry. There are people who are saying the And that's why we need mentors. You know, that's why we need people that can propose. Like, so I didn't know how much I'd sank into like, the need for validation because I started off being liked by everybody. Then it goes to a point where I, there are little enemies I get now. <laughs> and I, you know, you, especially because you service a community, you don't want to be that person who doesn't feel like they're connected to mm-hmm. community. So I think for me, I just go to a point where I'm like, it's either sink or swim, Lord, please. But I literally started praying about it that, you know, I need to get to a point where I feel validated regardless of whatever, you know, people had to say about me. So, and, and the work that we do, we don't know, the, the people that come to drop these comments and these things, don't know how much, so f- for them it's comments. For me, once I read it, say, it like say, you did my face the time yeah. you say, you are an idiot. <laughs> so, it, so throughout the day, it can be what is running in my mind, but for you, you don't drop your comment, don't go back to your work day. So, and what, I, your what, life. I, what I, what I did to help me cushion that effect mm-hmm. was, I imagined myself outside and I'm driving, and the conductor says, you be mad, man. Walks away. It's not going to spoil my day. Because in reality, I'm not mad. He could be frustrated. And he's just moving on. He has, he has vented our frustration mm. on you. I can either decide to internalize it, mm-hmm. or just let it bounce off. Mm-hmm. So most times, when I see random comments from random people who... Are not even part of my community. See, you you know the people who are in your community. You can tell them at a glance. You can tell when they actually disagree with what you're saying. And for me, those are the kind of feedback I take seriously. Mm. If you're a troll and you're just ranting off and, you know, every time you're on my pages, you just telling me what you disagree with, I won't take your opinion seriously, to be honest. So, I just imagine myself I'm on the road in real life. And somebody, somebody just yeah. walks on the road mm. and said, ah, 
This is your head. See, as it mm. be like mango. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> but if somebody who is actually close to me says that, it, it may hurt me. Yeah. So I don't pay attention to the trolls who are on the sidelines trying to just troll and hoping it just messes up your day. And I really hope that this helps other content creators mm-hmm. who are out there mm-hmm. who face backlash, you know. See, you know the people whose opinion really matter. Focus on those ones. Right. Your community, the close ones around you, the ones who have your phone numbers. Mm. Focus on them. Focus mm. on the things they say. If you, if you, and I also think that we have a negative bias as human beings. You could post a picture. You're looking pink, dope, vogue worthy. Somebody just drops one small comment on that. The 199 comments before that all of a sudden fade into the background. Now, my work with that. And you're focusing on that. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. What happened to the one? Are you trying to tell me that their opinions don't matter? Do you know how bad our brains are? <laughs> our brains are, like, even on the comment section, our brains are looking Look, for that one exactly, negative one. Exactly. To, to tell us, like, oh, yeah, I told you the picture yeah, was yeah. not great. Exactly. That's negative bias. And you should actually fight against it. So most times when I when I see things like that, I just I try to reprogram my brain, focus mm-hmm. on the positives, focus on the positive, focus on the positives, mm-hmm. and that's what helps. Okay, let's talk about the positives. Let's talk about love. <laughs> yeah, me that I know that I know I, I know your wife. She's an actual <laughs> woman for Christ. I I think that she has a, a, a big personality, oh, and yes, I, I love her. Right? Like I I, I want to know how you guys met. You, you got married like in twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, like who married the talking doctor? Like, why? Why? (laughs) (laughs) You know, how did you guys meet? How did the love story start? Give me the love story because you're a storyteller. Tell me the story of this, your love, in a way that is malleable for people like me who (laughs) have not found love to digest. Uh, You're going to digest it. Amen. Yes. Um, Funny thing, we met in secondary school. In this Lagos? Lagos. We went to the same secondary school. But this is reach out to my secondary school mates. So. <laughs> they miss and stop it. I don't care for them anymore. Are married. It's grandchildren. Not really. Not really. I finished school twenty seven. So I'm not don't group me with you. I, I can go back to where you had us. Most of them are married. <laughs> they don't get like one or two kids. Like they choose career. So uh, met in secondary school, and the funny thing. In my head, ah, I hope the Twitter activists do not find a problem with this. You know, you know when you you say something that sounds like I never really liked her in secondary school. That's usually the case, you know. And just like you mentioned, Amaka has a very big personality. Amaka is the kind of person who walks into this place. And you will know. Yes. Can't hide her. That exactly. You can't, can't hide can't her. Hide her. Wherever she is, she must shine. Yes. You know, be right. sorry, before you continue in church, eh? if it's always woman who shut. That's it. Every time I look, I'm like, ah, so I didn't know she was your wife. <laughs> when I miss her, I'm just like, ah, it makes sense now. <laughs> oh, I love her. I love and her. And me on the flip side, very calm. Quiet, mm-hmm. reserved. I don't, don't see, don't, don't ruffle the waters. Yes, just, just leave it as it is. I like the calm. Mm-hmm. Don't. So, in my head, I was always going to end up with someone like that. Yes. 
introverted like you boring boring <laughs> introvert i'm not boring i'm not saying that but i mean i'm just saying like if you have two of you in the house the children i don't know what they'll be up to like. <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted someone who was very quiet reserved and according to quote and unquote the perception i had about pairing and people yes, yes. it was never going to be her mm-hmm. oh wow and Somehow, we just started communicating on Facebook. You know, she found my number and we got talking. And she was like, let's go on a date. And then she, I like, she even introduced the dates. You get. And in my head, I'm like, hmm, that's out of the ordinary. Might as well, you know. And then we went on a date. And then the funny thing about the dates was, we just started talking about our dreams and our goals and where we wanted to be. What year was this? This date. This was... Um, see, she's the one who was good with dates, I promise mm-hmm. you. Okay. So, um... How long did you guys court for? So, to help us with the dates. I'm good with dates. I can, I can help you trace it back. See, you have to get on this podcast for her to date. She, see, dates... Should I call she, her now? She know, you can call her. Okay. She knows the exact day we met. Okay, now you did ask for the dates now. Ah, okay, so, okay. You're the recipient yeah, of the... Okay, so... Okay. So, Namide, is people like me, Google Calendar was made for us. Right. Yeah, Google Calendar, Google Maps, all those things made for us. Mm-hmm. So, I have to say people's calendar, birthdays in the calendar. If not, I forgot. It's not that I don't care about you. Yeah, I do. It's just, it's just a, that thing. dates. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, we have that conversation. And in the middle of that conversation, you know when you just look at someone and just know, like, I want to be with you. Oh. I just know they happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel looked up for last morning. I don't want to be with you. <laughs> you know, I was like, she's like someone I can build with because she understood it. She, she I think she loved the dreamer part of me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because here was me talking about oh, very soon a time will come where I'm going to be working with the World Health Organization mm-hmm. when it comes to communication mm-hmm. and all that. And she was like, oh, yes, you're even going to have a big studio. It's going to be a warehouse. You're just going to be churning out content. You're going to be... Yeah. All right. Ah, you don't Marie need to see this one. I like, yeah, can you please... What's your father's phone number? I can we? It. Can we? Can we get a talk? And um, being in marriage three years now, I kind of understand the pairing. So, before now, people used to understand introverts as not being people people persons. Mm-hmm. So, I'm very fine with a small circle. It could be just three. I'm fine with that for the rest of my life. That's crazy. She knows how to reach out to new people, add them to that circle. Bring them in. Bring them in. And I'm also realizing that there's a certain level of growth you would never surpass if you don't start connecting to new people. And so she's pushing me out of my comfort zone to actually make new connections. Mm. I see it. Mm. The apropos doctor on camera that people see and talk, if he's not with my closest friends, my dear, you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm done talking with you. Because I don't see you anywhere else. You, <laughs> Besides church, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, and so this is me now stepping out of my comfort zone, you know, going out to events, reaching out to people. And sometimes when I want to, you know, slink back into my, I realize, Give me energy. Just, just give me energy. Because she, she has for ten and people. And then she gives. Ah, so 
I your wife get energy for 10 people. I say, sometimes should we, should we call the person on the phone? I hate when, when that happens. She will call the person on the phone and give the phone to me. Talk to this person. I love it. That, and, and, and then I realized that's me trying to slick back into my comfort mm-hmm, zone, mm-hmm. collect the phone, be angry later, collect the phone right so now. So she knows you me. now. She knows me. She knows when I'm trying to slink back into mm-hmm, my comfort mm-hmm, zone. Mm-hmm. You know, you go on use the Andy. Yeah. See, look, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man of my word. Mm. Uh, don't uh, collect, the phone, collect the phone and shall speak to the person, you know. <laughs> That's the idea of a better half. Exactly. Because it compliments you. Not the one that you and the person will every day and fight every day. God, please give me a better half like this. Uh, we, 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 have, we have not... This is three years of marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've hurt each other fighting. Mm. Like, even when we disagree, it's... With cape or treat each other with care still. Because someone gave me this analogy, and I think that 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 that, that that's what helps me deal with conflicts. Mm-hmm. Said, no matter the kind of car you're driving, if you enter every pothole you see on the road, you're going to affect the shocks. Right. And every argument, every fight where you hurt each other is like you bumping into a pothole. You may you may drive better, you you may not notice the changes in your shocks after that pothole. It might come but out continue. Deep. It's deepening. Continue going into potholes. And then you realize, oh, yeah, they said, well, no, I like my, my relationship, my marriage drama. Every day we must fight before we feel like, you know, like, we're connected in some way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Loki, God has to deliver me from that because <laughs> if small drama not come, I'm like, you really like me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, you know, there must be drama for me to know that. I, I actually dated someone who, if there was no drama, there was, I'm like, yes, can, no. we, can, we have, can we have this conversation without raising our voices, please? Do you know there's some people that if they go one month without, without some... If, I have a friend who will say, it's not the main thing, it's not the main thing, but I bet everywhere it's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I said this because you're possessed. See, see, I just want to shake and small. I want to show the love today. Nice so she could just create one small thing, the boy will call me. the bag. I see. For me, that's They've broken up shop because the boy tired to beg. The boy they beg. Every the boy they beg. I said, my sister, that why? Come on. But so, I understand those people. Like yeah. the patterns are always different, right? But you know, it's, so, it's a good place to to be when you when you love somebody, they love you back and they understand you. You know, because um, you know, you know, speaking about your wife and you guys, the connection that you guys have, I can imagine how important that was for you when you went through your surgery, right? You know, because. It's one thing to go through surgery, but the care after the f- having somebody who even understands where you are after the surgery and would be there for you. Like, what? Tell me about that dynamic. Like, um, so forgive the French, right? But I was an asshole after surgery. I can imagine, and that was because of. It looked like everything I was working for, I could lose just like that. Like, almost everything I'd built my life on, fam, just gone. And so, I'll talk about the lessons I learned after the surgery. But mm-hmm. And so, I would have friends come over. I had my mom who was at the hospital. 
you know. And then she would try to feed me, and I would, I would accept the food from her. And then everybody goes. And then I'm an asshole to my wife. And it was also a very difficult moment for her because why are you being nice to other people? But you're not being nice to me. I don't like it. And later I started to process my feelings. And then I realized that she was the only person I could be vulnerable enough to show just how deeply frustrated I was. Of course, I apologize for taking it out on her. Mm -hmm. But so there was a particular point in my recovery journey where it was difficult for me to form words. So it wasn't just the pain and the, of course, yeah, yeah, there, there was the pain, there was, you know, all that. There was the fact that I had to learn how to walk again and all that. But it was me not being able to talk. And it, it, it really doesn't matter how much you know as a doctor until you are on the side of a patient. You know, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face. And this is me. I can't say a damn thing. What did it mean for my career going forward? How, like, how after this point? And I was dealing with all those battles in my head. And so, because I was hardly ever alone, the only time where I was alone was with her. And it was like, she'll try to feed me immediately after my mom does. And I'm like, I'm not hungry. And not, I'm not hungry in a kind way. I'm just not hungry. Sometimes it was the quiet treatments. Straight, no, so what's really wrong with you? Nothing. What's wrong with me? And she could tell I was hurting, but I wasn't sharing it with her. Mm-hmm. But she told me something. She said that she understood that she had two roles. It was the role of a caregiver and that of being a wife. And she said that it was hard for her, but at that point she had to drop being a wife and be a caregiver. And so no matter how difficult I was to deal with, she took it in and still tried to give care. And let me not lie. The level of respect I had for that woman after that incident tripled. I was like, you're a strong woman. I don't know how you do it, but I admire you. And it... You know, it was our relationship going to another level mm. because we had been through, we had been through rubbish. Yeah. This is basically a furnace and mm. we're coming out of it refined. Mm. It burned us together further. We could, we could, we could now talk about certain things. We could have more difficult, we could now understand, ah, oh, this one is frustration. Don't worry, leave mm. Just mm. let him do mm. it. it. Mm. And there was also the point of, <laughs> I used to jest her. You know, when I was preparing for surgery, and I know her. She's she 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 wears a heart on her sleeve. Whatever she's feeling, you could see it. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting this woman to be bawling over in tears, crying in the hospital room, waiting for me to. And she kept. She was strong. But I told her, "You will cry soon." I said, "I don't know when, but you're gonna cry." She said, "No, me cry right now." I said, 
like, where are you getting this strength from? I don't know where it's coming from. And just before I was about to get into the theater, she ran to the lift where I was, to the elevator. She cried. And I was like, while she was crying, I told her, should I say you would cry? Yeah, that's a serious smile. <laughs> <laughs> On your way to the surgery. On my way to the surgery. So, you know, funny thing was, before the surgery, I had a lot of fear. First of all, they said they were going to go through my nose to get the tumor out. But the position of the tumor was in such a place that they couldn't even reach it properly through the nose. They would have to probably go a couple of times. And so it's like, okay, let's cut your head open. And I knew the risks of cutting my head open. And it wasn't just cutting my head open. It was the fact that this particular tumor was very close to major blood vessels, close to the nerve of my eye. There was the risk of going blind. There was the risk of too many things involved. And to be honest, I never looked at the film properly. I just knew, okay, there's a tumor in your head. Leave it that way. And that's the only information I want to deal with right now. Because I knew myself, if I had sat down and properly analyzed, I would have probably ended it all. You have died first before the Exactly. Surgery. So I just left. I was like, oh, tumor in your head, surgery. And you know, oh, bah, bah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's what I, I deliberately shielded myself from information. Please, 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 please. Also, because I needed to ask this question, right? Please, can you walk me through from symptom stage to finding out that you have a brain tumor. And because you're a doctor, you know how these things go. <laughs> Tell me the state that you were in pre-surgery. Okay. From finding out to pre-surgery. So, I was hosting an event. Okay, before then, since 2013, 2014, I've always had bad migraines. Like, really bad migraines. It was so bad that in 2015, I did a CT scan. To find out, why, why is my headache different from other people's headaches? I did a CT scan. CT scan said my brain was clean. There's nothing worrying you inside your head. It's like, okay, oh, maybe it's just my greens. Because, you know, my friend at that point, Harold, he's late now, told me, are you sure this is not a tumor? I mean, when it comes to analgesics, I will take top of the line analgesics. I mean, like, top shelf, and we had left past, what's past for, for my headaches? So, at some point, I just accepted migraines as a part, part of, of life. That even while I was, a lot of the videos you watched, I was dealing with a migraine. But I just learned how to deal with it. It's headaches, eh, don't worry, be fine. We'll drink coffee and take one or two, this thing. Mm. We'll just do one cocktail, and that's it. Because I did a CT scan, nothing was working. At some point, I took amitriptyline and, you know, some amitriptyline, but the, 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 the amitriptyline was messing up my moods. I was having nightmares. At some point, I had to drop because I, it, it, it looked like I was sleeping into depression. The drugs were messing me up. So I was like, drop it. It's the headache. Let it kill me. Kilo shit. What is, what is, what is, what? Eh. I, I would rather have my brain in, like, like my, my mental state intact. And... I was having this event and I had one of the worst headaches. December 1st. Never forget that day. December 1st. I was having really bad migraines. Of course, popped a few things, put it in my mouth. It just subdued it a bit. It doesn't really let it go. It just subdued mm -hmm. it a bit. And I just continued living my life. On the 3rd of December, I was hosting another event. And 
they started late. And so I found, people think I'm a people person. I'm not. So I just found one small corner upstairs and just went there to be by myself. In quotes and unquote, the excuse I was doing was I'm preparing to host the event, right? And I noticed that two days before that day, which was on the same first, something felt off in my left eye. You know, when you wear glasses a lot, it feels like uh, smudges mm. on your glasses. So mm. I took off my glasses, I cleaned it, and I wore it back. But the left eye still felt off. I came back that day and I told my wife, I said, ah, babe, something feels wrong with my left eye. She goes, God forbid, it's not your portion in the name of Jesus. You can never, something can never be wrong with your left eye. This woman laid hands on my I head. I can never, ah, like Gio, Mama Gio, yes. Nothing's wrong with my left eye, yo. And we forgot about it. And then on the 3rd of December, at that event upstairs, I closed my, something just said, you know what, check your eyes. Just check. Let me see. And so I closed my right eye to see from my left eye. And the next thing out of my mouth was, what the hell? It was like I was looking through this hole. I couldn't see. With my, I was literally blind in my left eye. And I've been driving. And I used to notice that sometimes somebody will almost cross the road. And me, I will almost hit the person. And my wife will say, uh-uh. No, so is it that you did not see that person that was crossing the road? And I'll be like, the, the person too that did not see the road. Because why are you coming in front of a car that is moving? And... I said, what the hell? I was like, okay. A couple of diagnoses in my head. It could be glaucoma. It could be macular you know, degenerative disease. Could you be some, just something else? Uh, sorry. Not so the doctor come down. Relax. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I said, okay. I went to the person who was hosting the event and I said, bro, I really need to leave now. When is this event starting? And he said, soon. And I said, it, can, it needs to start now because I can't see out of my left eye. Of course, the guy thought I was trying to flimsy my way out of, you know, of course, we've already paid you to host mm-hmm. this event. Might as well just shoot it. And... I ran to the hospital, drove back. I'm not me drive come. Might as well drive back. Mm-hmm. Drove to the hospital to, to my optometrists. And while I was on the way, I called her and I said, babe, I can't see out of my left eye. Immediately I did that. I called my best friend, Chisum. I said, Chisum, I can't see out of my left eye. It's like, where are you? I was like, I'm at the optometrist and about to run some tests. I reached optometrist. Now me, they tell the optometrist what to run. I said, check my eye pressure. They check that pressure. I say, your eye pressure is fine. I say, check my retina. They check my retina. Showed me the picture. My retina was good. I was left with two things. I was left with one more thing. I was like, if it's not the retina, if it's not the eye pressure, there's something behind the eye. And the only other plausible option is a space occupying lesion. It's either a tumor or my, one of my blood vessels is swollen enough to, it's like if you're stepping on a wire, if you mm-hmm. step on that wire long enough, okay. that wire stops connecting, yeah. sending. And I told my wife, I said, This is what I think it is. I think it's a tumor in my head. She was like, God forbid. No, so stop speaking that way. You ain't that kind. You just, uh uh-uh, from no, from blindness to tumor. How? I'm like, Babe, this is my job. I think it's a tumor. Let's go do an MRI. Nobody asked us to do an MRI. I went, We did an MRI. When I did the MRI, <laughs> I looked at the results. Said it was either a craniopharyngioma or it could be, you know, probably. So, so there's this thing where, let me not confuse the audience, this thing where one of your blood vessels is swollen 
And if it's very close to the nerve, it could impinge on the nerve. It's like this mm-hmm. on the nerve. And after a while, that nerve stops working. That was what I was most afraid of. That it was the blood vessel. Because at that blood vessel could rupture at any time. And I sat down in the back of my car. And for the first time in three years, my wife saw me cry. I was crying at the back of my car. But as I was crying, you know there's this cry that your whole body is violently weeping. And I could feel the pressure in my head increase. And I had to say, no, so stop crying. What if you cry from here and go to heaven? What will happen? And so I had to force myself to control those emotions and just stop. But I couldn't stop it. Sometimes I go to the toilet and I'm weeping. Sometimes I'm on the bed and I'm crying. I'm like, is this how you die? Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so because <laughs> as a layman, as somebody who's not a doctor, I'm, you're not even sure what your options are. You are a doctor. You know. I know. <laughs> I know that from now to any time I go to the hospital, anything could happen. And so, should I even shock you? It was until after the surgery. That's the only time you can know it's not cancerous. So, there's also the option that this could just be cancer somewhere. There's also that option. And so, we got to a hospital. I went to a hospital. Like, first, got there. They did some things. And I'm like, we need to have this. And I was like, can we have the surgery now? I'm a very impatient person. Very impatient. Mm. And so, diagnosis was on December 5th. I had surgery on December 18th. Almost two weeks of torture. But first of all, why were you so comfortable to do the surgery here? I could go to India and do the surgery. I could go to UK and do the surgery, right? (laughs) But then, you know, there's always the, okay, so let's go abroad, do the surgery, right? But the only thing I know about the doctor abroad is what he wants to let me know. <laughs> and we haven't really thought about that. Oh, so you go to hospital abroad. And just because it's abroad, your trust level just increases. In my head, I'm like, Mm-mm. the trust level just does not increase because he's, I mean, we have capable hands here. And so what I started doing was to call other doctors to say, what's your trust if you were on the table right now? Who would you call? And consistently, everybody was just mentioning one name. It's like, okay, let's do it. And so I called him. I was in the emergency room at that point. Uh, I'm, I'm, I also apologize to all the doctors who managed me that period because I was literally very telling them difficult patient. Wow. I was like, oh, no, wait. I said, please, please, please. So tomorrow in my head, can we move on to the next steps? Can you just can you just stop? And also that's the coping mechanism. Like you're like, <laughs> I'm about to so, die anyway. So can we can we just move on to the next steps? Let's just let's stop. Let's keep all this. Knowing me, I would have died before the surgery. <laughs> I was like, let us keep all this. Move on to the next step. And he called me, he was like, okay, um, since it's this, I've looked at your scans and we think it's this, the best this thing is that I was like, okay, we're going to have the surgery the next day, but go home first and come back. And I went home, and I called my tribe. So we have the six but three. And there's this community, like six people. So basically, husband and wife, husband and wife. Mm-hmm. It was just three. It was just three couples in that yeah. group. 
And I called him. I was like, come to my house. This is what has happened. There's a tumor in my head. And I really need you guys around. And everybody left what they were doing. And then it came to my house. And we had that conversation. And we took one picture. I still have that picture. We, 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 we took a picture. And it was like, oh, no, so before his surgery. And I was supposed to have the surgery the next day. And all of a sudden, the doctor said, you know what? Let's keep it. Let's wait until some other time. I was like, what did I say? There's no space. I was like, create some fucking space. Because it's just me waiting on in uncertainty. Yeah. And December 18th came, December 16th. My mom found out when I was in the hospital. So all through this point, she didn't know. Until I was in the hospital one day before and everybody was just hiding it from me. I was like, you know what? I think it's time to let her know. Because what if I don't come back? There's always that possibility that you're not going to come back. So you knew that, right? Oh, yes, I knew. Your wife? She knew. What's that? What was that disposition at this point? Like I said, she didn't cry. She was the... Just praying. She was just praying. She was just praying. She would go on long prayer walks. Body long road. Ah, they have her footprint on that road. Mm. She would wake up in the morning. She would just walk down the entire stretch of body long walk back she was praying because that was where she could be emotional she and probably she would, cried on the road oh she probably did you know and she was doing it doing it doing it and every time I tried to bring up the conversation of you know what if what if she's like don't say it don't don't you dare mention it I was all good you know I was building my faith in prayers I was building my faith singing worship songs because I knew that at this point, anything could go wrong. So, might as well just bring God into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, sorry I neglected you all this while. Can yeah, we? I, I, I saw a post of you saying like, you're not doing God stuff before. That. I'm like, can we talk now? <laughs> I really need you. Yeah, you, know, you know, this is a pressing issue. You know. I'm your guy, you're you know. My guy, and you know, it's, it's you that is your mouth and say that you will not leave me or forsake me. Yes. So right now, come, let's have this conversation. And it was a period of building faith. Mm. And I realized there are a couple of lessons I learned that in life there are some things you can control and there's some things you can't. And it's just you know having the peace and knowing what you can control and what you can't until the day of the surgery. <laughs> The day of the surgery was when the doctor said, you know, Nonso, we really need to talk. And I was like, that conversation I'll be running away from, let's have it. And then there was my film right there in front of me. In 3D. I was saying, you see, it's very close to this blood vessel. Anything can happen. If we cut it, you could bleed to death before we could even save you. It's very close to this nerve. There's also the possibility of, you know, recurrent. there's nerve damage already. And then there was a particular doctor that said, you know, because if before the surgery, I was, I think I, would, I was blind in both eyes. Hey, God, oh, please. Yes, yeah. Before the surgery, I was blind in both eyes. It was like there were clouds in front of my eyesight. I couldn't really see much. And that's one of the reasons I was actually hurrying them. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to leave the rest of my life blind. I would rather take my chances now. Mm-hmm. Do it before I can hardly see anything. Mm-hmm. And the doctor explained everything on the surgery. And when he was done, I did not want to go through the surgery anymore. I was shaking. I was shivering. 
everybody could tell I was scared to my bones. And my father came to me and laid his hand on my shoulder and was like, Nonso is going to be all right. And I looked at him and I was like, in my head, I literally said, if you don't get out of my sight right now, because that's not what I want to hear. Yeah. Don't tell me it's going to be all right. I know it's not going to be fine. Have you seen what he said? Don't come with your... Yeah, I know doctors can be proud, mm. especially with knowledge. And I was like, you don't so understand the fuck what he just said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're telling him, how do you fucking know it's going to be fine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> luckily for me, my younger brother remembered one of the songs I used to listen to before the surgery. Uh, it was by Victoria Orenze. And he played it. I don't know what asked him to. He just went where I had a small speaker inside of the room. He just started. He didn't say anything. It's kind of like me. We don't. We don't talk. Just do. He just went to that portion of the room and just started playing the songs. And somehow I could feel that fate from inside again, trying to come back out. Mm. And the doctor had gone. Yeah, good. They were like, you know what? Let's just give you 10 minutes to put yourself together and we'll come back and decide if you really want to do the surgery. So you had an option not to? Yes, of course I of course I did. And that was what they wanted to know. Do you want to go through with this? Knowing what could happen. And when I felt that faith come back, mm. I was like, call the doctor now before I change my mind. I want to go through the surgery. And then, you know, they came in. We're like, okay, please sign this. I was like, and my wife signed. It was like, can you see us? I was like, a bit. They was like, if you can see us a bit, we would like you to use your hand mm-hmm. and sign it. And, you know, I scribbled whatever I could scribble. I'm sure it wasn't even on the right lines. Mm-hmm. And they said, they brought a wheelchair and said, okay, we're going to take you to surgery. And I'm like, I'm not going to use a wheelchair to go to surgery. I'm walking into the surgery room. I knew I wasn't walking back out, but I said, foolishly, I said, I'm walking back out. <laughs> and they said, oh, so it's against our policies. You have to be real. This is our policy here. You have to be real. I said, if you like, call your MD. I am walking. I am walking. Stubborn doctor. To the surgery room. And they were like, really? I like, yes. Yeah, so Will you give me some time to prepare? You know, I got my boxers, wore, wore the hospital gown, walked to the wardrobe in the room, brought out my perfume, and I sprayed it around my neck and my head. They were like, I was like, really? And it's this smell nice to heaven if I was you like, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if we're going to go to heaven, you must arrive. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, might as well smell good while yeah, I'm at it. You know? Michael's going to, you know. I, you know, I actually had one discontinued perfume. I mean, they don't make it anymore. So Energy. I just brought it out. So I was like, <laughs> I mean, might as well spray it while I'm still alive, you know. And then, you know, walked into, walked into the lifts, got to the surgery room. And while I was there, in my head, I was like, okay, really? This is it. And the anesthesiologist came and then he said, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. We're having a conversation. I was asking him, okay, so what's going on? And, so, and they injected the propofol into my hands. And why they were still injecting it, if I don't sleep. The next thing I knew was I was awake in another room. But by this time, I was shivering so hard. I thought I was having a seizure. You know how hard you shiver, and I was like, "This is this is this is seizures." Abnormal, yeah. 
this nigga's gonna mess my brain up. Because <laughs> I'm like, this probably, after Prince probably touched one or two wires and my brain is now malfunctioning. And then I actually realized, okay, in seizures this, this grand, mm-hmm. you'll probably not be conscious. It's like, okay, okay, no, so calm down, calm down. But I was, I was really shivering and it went on like it was forever. They had to put a heating blanket on me because they realized I probably was feeling cold. Mm-hmm. Put me back to sleep. I woke back up. I was shivering again. Put me back to sleep. And at some point, I think they controlled the temperature well enough that I was able to be myself stable. and was stable enough. And when I was stable, I looked and I said, where's my wife? I think it was the first person I asked for. Mm-hmm. Where's my wife? And they said she was somewhere. My wife ran all the way from where she was, came to the ICU. And I'm like, today's Sunday, the 18th of December, 2022, right? She said, yes. I was like, who won the World Cup? She was like, Messi. I was like, yes. <laughs> and then, because the whole fear was, oh, after the surgery, you're going to lose your memory. You're not going to know who or what, you know, and stuff. So in my head, I was trying to force back information Mm. back into my head. I was like, "Um, I'm the firstborn. Where's where's, where's daddy and mommy? I'm sure there's somewhere. What's my name? You know, what's my name? My my dad was reciting my name. My name is Chinonso Egemba Fidelis. My grandfather named me Chibogo. You know, I am the first. Do you know what memory? I know. So, (laughs) um, and then, and then I realized that at some point in my right eye, I couldn't see. But it was just at the peripherals. Mm. And then I understood, okay, probably during, you know, some aspect of what had happened or that damage was probably there. But because the damage was more on this eye, I couldn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. So it means the vision I was really seeing was actually very narrow. Mm. And that's the only thing doing me right now. And um, it's, been a, it's been a journey. But one of the things I realize is that you cannot underestimate the power of human beings. See, the people you have around you can decide actually whether you actually make it or not. And I was I was surrounded with people who actually genuinely loved me. I could tell. Like, like they were. I took an oath. After that particular period, I said, Nonso, wherever you are in the world, you're going to come through for your tribe. Mm. Because I knew what it did for me. The strength. Like, I was literally pulling strength from people. Mm. I wasn't talking to them, but I was pulling strength from them. I mean, I would have people come to my house when I was basically being a very shitty person. And they would come to my house Sit down with me. I'm not saying a word to them. I'm racing on the TV. But then they go back without even having a conversation with me. And I'm like, thank God this person is here. I will continue. Still struggling to find my voice. And my younger sister, my 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 sister's younger sister, my wife's, I say my wife, my yes, my wife's younger sister would come. She's a physiotherapist. She would try to get me to say words. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is banana. Say banana. I'm like, am I a, am I a child? If I, I knock know. your eye, 
I shied me. I should say, like in my, like in my, in my mind, I was struggling You're with angry. it. Angry. I was angry. I was yeah. like, I should me. I should say banana. Mm-hmm. As per what? Kindergarten. Tata. Are you Kukuma tell me to say A for apple, B for ball, C for C for cup? I know your mouth sharp way well. So the fact that you don't feel talk, you go there prepare you for body. So there was there was also that part, but they they were there. Regardless, and they understood Regardless. where you were. Yes, they 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 understood what I was going through, mm. and you know, I just like you say, you know, validation. I had I had I built myself to the point where I solve problems for people. So you felt helpless. And I made a bath. Me. It's me that yeah, it's me they will carry my blockers up and be cleaning on that. Me. Thank God so that you get wife. You might say you don't get wife. You get <laughs> me. Big man. You get <laughs> the almighty Africa doctor. I mean, I mean, spread your leg. Let's clean inside your lap. Wait, me. I know. The, so, <laughs> so the anger is just really pent up. You don't know how to express <laughs> it. I was basically helpless. Mm. <laughs> Couldn't do much by myself. As up as I, I go, sure, I say, no, me, we enter bathroom today. We enter bathroom, they give me stool to sit down. Full, full able body man. <laughs> how long did post-surgery care? How, much, how long, the duration of post-surgery care? So post-surgery care went in stages. So there was the first stage in the ICU. They had actually insulated. I was going to spend like three days in the so I already budgeted money for three days in the ICU and all that. Luckily, I spent just 24 hours. I was like, hmm, okay, that's good news. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you probably spent like two weeks. And I'm like, I'm going to go home before Christmas. I'm going to spend Christmas in my house. Mm-hmm. You know? And then even though you're home, because I, I think I went home on Christmas Day. So even though you're home, I think I was like a week post surgery. Even though you're home, I still needed to rest, mm. cooperate. I'm not supposed to carry heavy stuff. I'm supposed to let people do things for me. And it was still hard. And there was a period where, okay, I'll come clean the stitches. I have to go back to the hospital. My wife was basically my driver all through. And oh, yeah, we're over here. I also argued about her driving. I was looking for things to complain about. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's just me looking for things to complain about. And my recovery was actually faster than, and I think that a lot of it, aside from, you know, God, there, there was also the fact that before then, I didn't have any, comor- any, any comorbidities. I was, I, was, I was trying as much as I could to be healthy. You know, this was me, was battled hypertension before. And my blood pressure, my diet, everything was in check. You know, I just had to overload on protein and all that. And, when they said, okay, you can now go back and uh, took my camera and my crew, I said, oh, of course, let's go back to the hospital and make a video. They said, video? I said, yes, go back to the hospital. I said, the doctors that saw me were like, uh-uh, you're back, you're creating a g- just just now? I was like, yeah, so come on, talk about the things you did inside my head. Let's mm. tell Nigerians about it. They were like, mm. really? Do you think you're straight? I said, yes, I am. And it was me and I... At, at, at that point, I also felt it was me saying, I didn't die. So might as well mm-hmm. live life to the fullest. There are certain things that we had not accomplished. So do it. I went back to the gym. We see with this cow on my head and my lopsided. I was lifting weights, carrying. My father saw a picture of a video of me squatting with the barbell I was he called me 
It was like, you're a doctor, you should know better. <laughs> you should know that. I was like, yes, I'm a doctor. The doctor said I should exercise. Mm-hmm. Doctor said I can go back, you know. So um, recovery was faster mm-hmm. and actually loved that it was. Do I have any regrets? No. I'm actually happy it happened when it happened because if it had happened the first time I did the CT scan, because there was now the question of, you did a CT scan in 2017. Why didn't you see the tumor then? You didn't have a because partner. that's not that's this is not the tumor that grows in one year. Mm, mm, so tumor mm. that you've probably had since you were a child. Wow. Oh yes. Because at some point I even started to have some identity crisis. Or like, okay, you tell people to live healthy. You tell people that you know smoking can cause cancer. You you don't smoke. You try to make sure that you you, you stay away from cancer causing agents as mm. much as you can, and that's you with the tumor in your head. And then I realized, okay, the kind of tumor I had. It's basically a kind of tumor that can be... It's it's almost as if life throws a tumor, 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 mm-hmm. and then just picks one person. And you like, okay, it's, it's you today. But then another lesson I picked out of it is there's always ministry in our pain. Mm. So I went through that, and there were certain lessons I came out with that thing that was supposed to help other people. Right. And that's what I'm actually doing right now. What are these lessons? What are the what? The lessons that you learn from. Number one, people are important. Mm-hmm. Number two, you don't hold all the chips. Mm-hmm. Number three is that don't hesitate. Whatever goals, whatever plans, whatever things. Because right now, I'm chasing the goals and the dreams like as if there's no tomorrow. And that's because tomorrow is actually not guaranteed. Nothing can happen. I mean, there's a particular project. When, when the project comes out, mm-hmm. you see it. But there's, there's, there's a particular project that, that we're working on now that never in my wildest dreams would I have thought I would do something that profound. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're working on it because there's no time again. Right. You can just wake up and everything is gone. Right. I want to know what that period did for your faith because I, I see you in church every other Sunday now. Um, you're like this. <laughs> <laughs> and before that, you are written about the fact that, you know, you're not in a good rela- good place with God and you're probably left church and stuff, you know. But, you know, when when we go through some rough patches in our life, you know that this was only God. It's not like he humbles us. He just makes us know that, you know, Father, I'm helpless before you. You know, yeah. it's, this is this was all you. Tell so, me about your relationship with God now. Uh, so while I was in school, part of the things I did outside medical school was also pastor a fellowship. A lot of people didn't know that, um, and I had you know you didn't say you did inside church. Mm-hmm. Let me let me use mm-hmm. that word. I was inside church. But at some point, it just felt like you're just going through the motions. Yes. <laughs> I was that too. Yeah. You're just, you're just going through the motions. It's just you saying rituals. You know, you don't longer mm. feel that invigorated. Mm. Yeah. And during that period of the surgery and everything, it wasn't the quote-unquote the prayers of God heal me that actually helped my faith. It was just, I just needed to be reminded that he's with you, he loves you, irrespective of all the things you've quote-unquote done. God is here. He's actually here to actually teach this situation a lesson. Mm. And I kept at it. I kept at it. I kept at it. I kept at it. And 
ah, there was no happier period for that, for like for my wife in that period because ah, she she's the mommy Joe in our house, mm. and so she was like, is this none? So because people used to tell me none, so but me, I'm not seeing the pastor. You know, it's now that you know every. I would hold the hands, we would pray, and if you had left me, right, if I had left all that and just settled back, I'd probably have settled back into what I used to be before the surgery. And it would just be, oh, I used God as a spare tire yeah. when I needed him and, you know, just left him an old man. And then I found my way to the church I currently attend. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if God came alive again at Logic Church. It was, like, I was like, yes, this yeah. is God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like God, no, they follow me beef. I swear, <laughs> God is love, madly in love like, with me. Like God is madly in love yeah. with me. Mm. Like He just opened a new aspect of God, mm. and it was like, no, so stop trying to please God. He's already mm. pleased yes. with you, and it just made things easier because I I now realized that a lot of the thing uh, that why I was going through the motions was because I think at some point you just get tired of pleasing God. Yeah. Of earning him, like you like you like like what more shall I do time? again? What like what more shall mm -hmm. I do to end your trust and mm -hmm. your love? Mm -hmm. Like no, mm -hmm. the way you are, I like you like mm. that, and just made things easier. Right now, I was just delving into deeper and deeper things. I'm having to unlearn all the nonsense I had learned That's before so now, good, my brother, and pick up the book and buy rig. Now, mm -hmm. why if you see me for church? Are they write like saying a PhD? I said Lagos Business School. If you see you for go church, for <laughs> I see you do. <laughs> Lagos Business School that everybody go yeah. through again because you know this this particular aspect of my faith is mm. actually profound and I can't wait to pour it out to the next generation mm. especially you know when I have kids and mm. I look at them and I'm like you know don't listen to what the God they're telling you outside yes, so this particular God he likes you the way you are you're fine you don't mm. need to earn his love and his trust mm. you know and because of that, it's also easier for me to love other people. Yes. I can see I can see what they're going through. I can see the kind of issues people are having. And it's and it's and it's easier to make excuses. Mm. Because before ah, father and die. But now <laughs> I like now nah, God so, loves you, be, you the way. Because you've you are. received love unconditionally. You and can... I and I and I, I feel like that's what happened to me when I started going to logic. I I I've always been a church boy, but I've never seen that brand of Jesus. You know, you know when you don't taste different brands, but you just like, I'm just kind of brand with this. This one, you know, when you don't you don't need to drink cheap champagne, drink champagne. You can't drink, <laughs> you can't drink Moet directly from Champagne France. So I'm just like, what's going on here? And 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 I feel like God knew the time that I needed that type of Jesus. You know, I feel like after post surgery was it thing where I don't think it was. Because you wanted to use God as a tool. I think you had seen God for who he really was. And, you know, God needed to direct you to a church that would remind you exactly. of who he is. And I, and, and I say this to everybody who cares, especially people behind the scenes right now, especially my producer, who is a pagan, by the way. <laughs> she refuses to admit it. That. Yeah. You know, when you experience the love of God... I also tell my producer too. Oh, yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I tell them, maybe they say, yeah, I tell God will arrest I, you. You? you? <laughs> I know when you experience the love of God, the real love of God, it it's so easy, it's so easy to lean into it and spread it across. You see, it's it's and we're not doing and when you experience that kind of love, you're not doing anything to earn him anymore. 
you're loving him because of who he is. Yes, because, you know, it's... Before then, I used to have a soldier, soldier-commander relationship with God. Yes. And I think at some point I got tired. Exhausting. It was exhausting. Mm-hmm. Because every day you're fighting war. Yes, there's always something. There's always something. You always have to be on your watch. And I said, like, at this point, I was like, it not be me born you. Leave the Relax. soldier. I understand. Settle into the... Because there's, there's a particular mantra that I have is you cannot give what you don't have. If you have not really experienced God, you can't show him to other people. Mm. And if someone like me who only knows the soldier mentality of God... And he's this, he's that. That is the that's the side of that's the side I'm always projecting to, yeah. to other people. Yes. And yes. at some point, like not be why I come this mm. life come fights. So at this point, when people are experiencing the love, like right now, it's easier. Yes. Before I used to be a very judgmental person. You look like you were before. <laughs> but now, ah, uh-uh. come let me hug you. Yes. Hey, the come, love will change settle, you. Settle, mm. settle into it. Mm-hmm. I'll accept you how you are. You, you know, and that's and that's why I think a lot of the people in my generation, especially because they're so exposed to a lot of information, cannot just receive God the way they are supposed to. It's because you know what they've been taught. Ideally, that's not a loving God, a God that wants to punish, a God that wants to, you know, like so. Every time I explain to my friends now the God that I know, fire. It's easier for them to now say, okay, I will just follow you to church. You understand? And when they come, they never leave. But you know, we, we know me, I'm coming from further, further. <laughs> like, further than I die. I mean, so even, 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 if, even before then, right? The first day I walked into Logic Church, mm-hmm. it was, I was supposed to do it as a favor to someone. Right. Like, huh, okay, mm-hmm. let me just settle. Same Moji had been inviting me to mm. church over and over again. I was like, you know what? Just so that, let's go to church. So it wasn't your wife that came first? No. We came on the same day, actually. But my wife had been attending some other church mm. before then. And sometimes she'd wake up on Sunday morning. She'd be like, no, so are you going to church today? Mm, Not in the mood. She'd be like, okay. She'll go to church. She'll come back, meet me at home. And, you know, she, she, she didn't like the whole... I'm going to church alone. Mm. She started praying. They will hold. So at some point, she and her members were hosting really prayer. Nice. They hold his heart. Hold put his heart. <laughs> Lord, spare his heart. Lord, bring Arrest his heart him, to you. Lord. Arrest him, Lord. Arrest him, Lord. I'm like, this you could not do it like stones or even yeah. They invited me to church. I came to church. I looked at it. I was like, let's go back home, please. Mm. They went back home. And then I stepped into logic. Mm. And it was like, ah. The God I know is what they are talking about. Mm-hmm. But you know, so let me tell you another thing that's so crazy about us who have always been in church. <laughs> if we step out, to step back in, it takes the grace of God because, uh, like, there's nothing you want to tell us about. The, I know it. Bruh! When I first met Flourish at Pastor Flourish, because I met him as Flourish. Yeah. It was at Utazi eating. And Mark had, I think me and Mark had gone there. And, yeah, tracks. And so I see this guy is wearing Balenciaga slips or I can't remember Hermes <laughs> slips. The perfume is serious. Lagos. Uh-huh. Asha'u boy. Ooh, sorry <laughs> to my pastor. 
<laughs> she can't turn face me and say, I need to come to my church. I, f- I feed my sheep fat. And I say, who this for one? I'm like, come over here. Because I've always, I'd, I've been in church all of my life. So I'm like, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah pastor, you, you city to? boy? Because <laughs> you look like a city boy. And so one of the reasons why I actually considered, and that's what people don't understand, that it's easier, to con- it's easier for him to convince me that somebody who looks like they are too holy to associate with me. So when he told me, I'm like, okay, let's go and test it out. I mean, nobody like, say I no go. Exactly. The first day I walked into the church, I was like, what's going on here? What kind of preaching is this? But it was so interesting. It was drawing me in. Three weeks in, I could not return to my church. I said, one of the first things I noticed about Logic Church, I can't bless that. Well, what did PR for Logic? See, this no, is good PR for Logic. It's, 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 and if, if something has affected your life that much, you must talk it's, about it. You, you must talk about it. It's, when I walked into Logic, right, like everybody's happy. Yes. They've had something that's making them happy. Unlike the other churches that I used to mm. go to. <laughs> Once praise and worship finish like mm. this, everybody don't turn back to Stone Cold. <laughs> I'm like, there's this joy. You could, it's mm-hmm. most palpable. It's palpable yeah. I was like, I actually want to be a part of this. Yes. 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 This the this the kind like I mean, there's joy in his presence. So might as well just experience mm. it. Mm. Rather than hey, just go, you know. You know when you leave feeling deflated? Usually after church before, I used, I used to feel like that. Yes. You know, you, you, you leave church, you're feeling deflated. Mm. It feels like, oh, they've set Work. another bar you know, I for to, you to reach again. I used to be a church worker. I used to sing in church. So it, every Sunday felt like you have done your job for today. Go and breathe and what? sleep. <laughs> it was never, oh, what a glorious service. You I never had that. Glorious service. Let's use this energy and attack It was like, how would I, this is what I've taken from church. Now how would I go to the week to, to preserve myself and not sin. <laughs> like, ah, some, like, like sometimes I feel like I got punished. And prayer was hard. You know, on, on this holiday, I remember nights that I would wake up, I was in Belgium, right? I would wake up at, nobody did tell me, I would just wake up at maybe 11, 11 or 12 in the midnight. I would walk around the streets praying. I know, I would be like, I, I was enjoying it, but that was not me before. To get me to pray for five minutes, <laughs> you have to. Except maybe the TV show say I won't die for. <laughs> you have to. You have to bring a yeah. problem. So I was. I was such in a. I was in a good relationship with God to the point where I wanted to just stroll around, take it in. And first of all, like you know, I was telling him things. I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is what we're gonna do. I'm going back to Nigeria now. What's gonna happen? I was having a great time without your phone. Without my phone, and they pray, and they just. I go walk in the. Co- and guess what? It was cold. I, I don't. I don't play with cold. I, I'm always inside in the heat. <laughs> but I was walking around. It just felt like I had some level of companionship, and I don't know how many Christians experienced that in Nigeria because of what they've been told yeah. or sold. Yeah, we 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 have we have we have we have positioned God, or let me not say we. The church largely in Nigeria has positioned God as some unatt- unattainable mm. level grand of, commander. You, know, you can't you can't even be talked to him. Okay. So you have to you have to prove that I can actually I'm talk to I'm worthy to actually talk to you in the first place. When you realize that that same God mm. left everything in heaven mm. to come down because of me. Yes. So there's, there's a conflict here because most Christians spend their, the bulk of their Christianity or their entire lives trying, trying to, to earn God, trying to, trying to be him. worthy enough to come into his presence. I said, the day that thing clocked, mm. that he is already mm. pleased with mm. me. Mm. That pressure of trying to... And, and, and you just realize that 
the more you have that, it, it's, it's like if you're my boss now mm -hmm. and I already have a mindset that you're angry with me. I will want to, am I holding this cup the right yeah. way? I feel I, I go hold the cup like this now. It go vex him. It reminds me of my peer when, she's, when she knows she's as fucked up. She would not. She would just see her try to. I say, hey, she. <laughs> but if I know that you're my guy, mm. you're my, it really doesn't matter. Yes. How yes. It's, yeah. If you're not pleased with something, you would not be the one to tell me. Mm. And that is why we should actually let the Holy Spirit do his work in the lives of people mm. and not become Holy Spirit to some people. Yes. Sir. You say, why are you dressing this way? Mm. It's because let's, the person has the, the Holy Spirit. Let, it's between them and God. I, let me drop this for, I, mm. I've, I talk about God more half of this podcast. Every episode I talk about God like almost half, right? But you know one of the most interesting things that I was telling my friend? I'm like, my dressing has changed more because I now understand my relationship with God. It's like, I'm not trying to say, I don't, for other people, you can close, cover yourself, you can do everything. But I say where I am now, I'm in such a good place with God that I, my natural expression is, you know, I'm safe so I can do me. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I don't know how to explain it, but even before I was still very, oh, do you should, Right now, I'm just like, you know, I'm loved, I'm safe. You know, this is the look that fits me. Let's go. Let's go. And it affects every part of your life, from work to relationships to even how, like, I interact with everything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's... You know, there are, there are certain people who believe that you must look a certain way in order to be accepted mm -hmm. by God. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why are they wear Timbaland boots? Mm. <laughs> why like why are you dressing? And then I'm like, what does what does that exactly mean? Dressing like the world? What what exactly? It's because and my pastor used to say something, Pastor Flourish. He said the Bible has a voice. Let, Let it speak. speak for itself. Mm -hmm. No, don't carry your own bias. Yes. And bring it into the word of God and say, yeah, mm. this is this is what it be. Mm. Because a lot of what a lot of pastors have actually done is they have they have allowed their own perception of life to, to affect what, what mm. they teach. And people are leaving church, living with one man's bias. Yes. As the no people have lived with one man's bias for <laughs> years. Yes. Died. It's like one person's bias is what you're living with. The Bible has a voice. Let it speak for itself. I know the problem with Nigerian Christianity is that more than half of the Christians don't even know the Bible enough to let it speak to them. It is what so is as the pastor they take him whatever he has in as he fed from the Bible, he will just drop it on them and that's what they're going to run. Can with. I can I can I can I drag some? No, no, no. So, don't so drag them. It, 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 it's it's prayer is important. Very important actually right. to your to your life's work as a Christian. Yeah. But you see, Bible study is actually important. as important mm -hmm. as prayer. But it looks like the Nigerian church who've left Bible study and prayer is everything. There are some people that will never, if they are not fervently praying. Yes, hot prayer. Meanwhile, you're fervently praying. Your knowledge of the Bible is zero. That's why, see, the devil is not afraid of a praying Christian. The devil is afraid of a knowledgeable Christian. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. the Bible says, in Hosea, the Bible says that it's they that know. Sorry. My people are perished because of lack of knowledge. Not lack of prayer. 
It's not lack of firebrand. Mm. Because it's what you don't know. That's what he will use against you. <laughs> the devil is... The more devil is, is more cunning than craft. Than is, yes. Yeah. So, people just tell you, hey, is mm. the, no, let's use the fire. It's knowledge that you use. You know, this, there's some knowledge that you have that you don't need to do a lot of prayer. Like, right there, I don't need to, I know, I'm like, God, you know, this is what you said. <laughs> sort this out, please. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to sleep. And that knowledge gives you a certain kind of confidence. Yes. It's faith. Yes. Because your faith is settled in this world because mm. you already know him as a person. So, mm. all these rigmarole of trying to play. I've left that I've left that whatever you want to think of as long as it's not you that's God mm. mm-hmm. does he say I'm this yes mm-hmm. that's what matters your perception of me is not going to matter in heaven mm. and I know that we're taking time and we're talking about Jesus a lot <laughs> and, and this is what happens on the podcast I mean the Holy Spirit is here you know he's gonna but you know uh, one thing I'll say to Nigerians is that you know God is the God of the universe like God is the God of people in China people in Hong Kong, people in Africa, people who probably have never, you know those people that have the clicking sound in South Africa or somewhere, you know, God is God of everybody. The Kosa people, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, let us not Nigerianize this Jesus. (laughs) See, if we don't, we'll not leave you. A lot of the Nigerian Christianity is actually shaped by our knowledge of I don't. I don't want with traditional gods. Yes, yes. We 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 took our relationship with traditional gods to our relationship with God of the universe. Mm-hmm. I lumped it there. That is, I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we took so. First of all, when the gods are angry, you have to appease them. Yes. Now you have to appease God. Twenty-one days dry fast. Why do you need to appease God when He's already pleased with you? Secondly, <laughs> we. Yeah, yeah, you need this thing from the gods. You have to bring this. Mm. That's why people are now dangerous seed. Move God. You like, have to move him in order to do... It's like God does not need to be moved. He's already done morning. it. God, the best one that's why they gather. I beg God, I beg God. Please, please. <laughs> I don't know what's going to My dollars, my small money, I will take for that. I will buy new clothes. God is pleased when I wear some nice outfits. I mean, I understand giving and generous giving, but I'm not... It's because of my understanding that I'm not pressed to... You know, impress people, people, people are not compelled. You know, mm-hmm. you have to you have to move dangerous God in seed. Dangerous, you tiny you. As how much, how much you get? How much? How much do you have to move God? Hey. Oh God, I don't want to go on this. I want to, I feel like the revival is coming. But let, <laughs> let, let me move to my final question, right? Before I let you yeah. go, um, it's written here. Um, Okay, so yeah, you know, you've spoken about the project and what you're working on and how profound it was, you know, but as, as somebody who's a medical doctor and also an influencer, what is the end goal? What, what's the end goal for, with all of this, all of this work that you're doing? What, what is the most important thing that, you know, 10 years, 20 years down the line, you're going to take out, you know, this is what I did and this was why this work was important for me? I think, first of all, I would say that... Um we channeled a new aspect of education in Nigeria. Right. We took behavioral change communication to another level. Mm -hmm. One of the major things for me now is making sure that the unreached are reached. So we're planning to take this beyond social media into the people who are unreached. Translation into indigenous languages Mm. is going to happen. 
I also see a lot of collaborations happening because I realize that one person cannot do it. Right. So collaborations with not just other doctors, collaboration with other notable people like yourself mm-hmm. and the rest of them. Add your voices mm-hmm. to things like this. Let's bring healthcare back to the forefront where it should be. Because whether we like it or not, it's health is wealth. And the healthier you are as a person, the, the, the higher chances of you making wealth. Nigeria is one of the poorest countries today. One of the reasons is because a lot of our population is sick. And when people are sick, they cannot contribute the economic quota to a mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. So the, the sicker a nation becomes, the, the, the poorer it becomes. It's, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a negative feedback cycle. Mm-hmm. That just keeps exploding into something else. So, some of the other projects that we're working on. Okay, let me let me leave that until it comes out. Is we're trying to broaden communication and not just letting it be. Oh, it's one person talking in front of the camera. Nollywood is a lot of Nollywood. Old Nollywood gave Nigerians a lot of the false information about health. Malt and milk. If somebody faints, pour them water. We want to incorporate the right information into the movies. Because whether we like it or not, people are in other countries learning the right information from your movies. Mm-hmm. We want to bring back that here. So for me, my everything that concerns me right now is communication, communication. and health. Mm. It will be difficult. If you separate that, I actually will be confused on where next to go to. Right? So the end goal. For me, that's the end goal. Communicate, help, bring more people into the knowledge. And not just them, but make sure that other people have the are uh, knowledgeable enough to now share it with other people. Right. That way, hopefully Nigerians. And then maybe I get into health policy. No, I will get into you health will, policy. You will, actually. I can already smell that for you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chinonso Aproko, Dr. Egemba, for coming on my show. Please. Thank you. This has been amazing. Please help me sign out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.